For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. You're all aware at this stage of the big fire down at Wexford General Hospital. It dominates uh, much of the live rolling news, obviously, but also the uh, newspapers and the sun this morning has the inferno or the remains of parts of the hospital after the massive blaze ripped through it. And you had an awful lot of patients, well over 200 terrified patients, not to mention all of the staff who were forced to flee after the fire broke out yesterday afternoon. And this morning, the star picks up on the story saying that a Because of the blaze, 100 ambulances had to evacuate patients in the fire terror. Thankfully, everybody's safe. Not 100% sure where they all went. Um, But I think they were moved to places like Kilkenny, Cork and Dublin hospitals, according to the Red Tops this morning. But gutted is certainly an accurate description of the hospital itself. Awful. Uh, Other ordeals make the papers today and much of it in the courts uh, and this one actually is from the Cork uh, Circuit, sorry, pardon me, the Cork Central Criminal Court. And for those people who are critical of members of Angarda Shikona, day after day after day, we see so much in court. Uh, and of course, those court cases are only as a result of guard investigations. So you should bear that in mind. But it is the horror ordeal of a woman who was barricaded into her home, had acid thrown in her face and boiling water poured down her back. Now, a 31-year-old man will be sentenced for it today, but it's horrific reading when you actually drill into the story. She's lucky to be alive after the uh, horrific attack. She was beaten and doused with ammonia acid. Now, Simon uh, Simone Lee, 43 years old, was held captive in her home in Limerick by her former friend, Christopher Stokes, a 39-year-old, and he's before the courts. He mercilessly beat her, placed a bin liner over her head, poured boiling water over her and then set the apartment on fire. Um, and the full facts of the case against Stokes, actually he pleaded guilty to causing uh, to assault causing harm and threatening to kill um, a man by the name of Tin Feehan in, in, in the reckoning. And that's before the courts at the moment. Um, it's, it's quite detailed actually. And unfortunately, she's going to have to live uh, with the damage done to her, both physically and, and psychologically possibly for the rest of her life. And then there's another story of a dad who's in court. Uh, dad, pool of, dead, pool of blood death, claims it was an accident. So a man who's charged with a serious assault on his son, who was found lying in a pool of blood, claimed that it was an accident in court. Um, I, I'll do my best to pronounce his name, and no disrespect if I, if I get it wrong, but uh, Zygski Bednarski was yesterday refused bail in Carlo District Court. an awful story. The dad of one... Uh, that was uh, was stabbed was uh, was his son uh, Rafael uh, stabbed once in the thigh and he died from that injury um, and that's also in the courts these days and then there's a story which actually has more to do uh, with uh, issues involving domestic violence and the actual domestic violence act this is a court court where uh, before Judge Olin Keller actually a snake was thrown onto a woman in her home here in Cork. Uh, and it, this was a, a private hearing of Cork District Court, so it was an in-camera case, so therefore you won't be finding out who's involved in this one, obviously. But the guard said it's alleged that he threw a snake at the applicant, putting her in fear. Uh, there is a safety order in place 
when the defendant is required not to put her in fear. And that apparently is what happened. And that's being dealt with in the car courts as we speak. And then, of course, we've got all sorts of issues on Leaside with people who are just trying to make ends meet. And clamping cars at uh, Kent Station isn't helping. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday on the air, but the Echo pick up and lead with it this morning, where car commuters have paid more than €380,000 in clamping charges at Kent since 2018. If you'd said 10 years, you'd be kind of thinking it was a lot, but it's not. It's only in the last five years. Nearly €400,000 in fines. That's like 3,700 vehicles clamped at Kent from January 28, 2018 to February 2023. Um, €380,800. Now, uh, Sean Sherlock, the Labour Party TD, has said that it would be preferable to see the removal of the clamping process given the immediate need for payment. When you get clamped, you have to pay up there and then. There's no messing. You can appeal afterwards, but you got to pay to get the clamp off. And he said, we're already living in a heightened cost of living crisis. So more on that later on on the programme, particularly if you yourself have been clamped. And then, of course, we've got all sorts of issues involving the banks who are just writing off multi-million euro debt. And if you think that uh, DJ Carey was the only person that got debt written off, think again. Uh, I think his was in the region of something like uh, 9.5 million, wasn't it? But apparently, according to the Mail today, um, the banks have given away, have given 1,900 90% debt deal write-offs. I mean, isn't that astonishing? That's AIB. That's like 1,900 others got a 90% debt deal. They kind of drill into it in quite some detail in the papers this morning, but one thing that we know is that AIB are refusing to answer any questions about any cases uh, when grilled by TDs. It all started with the DJ Carey alleged debt write-off, but now they're saying that, uh, you know, they, they won't be drilling into any specific questions about any specific cases. But it's an astronomical, an astronomical amount of debt write-off, isn't it? I suppose the banks would say, well, you can't get blood from a stone. Like, what's the point? You might as well write it off if they're, if they're potless. But at the same time then, well, the banks are doing that. 375,000 people couldn't turn their heating on last year. Um, energy debt. There's a new report out from St. Vincent de Paul. Charity says the figure is closer to 400,000 people who are struggling just to stay warm. And I know I've spoken about this on the air in the past. I was even talking about it on Monday or Tuesday. You know how county councils and city councils now are, are, are also in the running to buy properties or rental properties, right? So if you're in the market or looking to buy a house or to rent a property, you're going up against the councils every single day because they're actively also doing the very same as you, trying to hoover up properties, trying to rent as many as they can, trying to buy as many as they can. But you're not alone in the fight with the councils because big businesses are at it too and have been for quite time. Sometimes it's actually, it's not actually many, you know, fresh news, but it's worth reminding people that big businesses are buying up homes in bulk for workers. Um, And some massive firms, the bigger the firm, the more they're trying to snap up for employees. Some of them actually are trying to, are are successfully snapping up entire housing estates. Now, I spoke to Micheál Martin about this on the air some time back, and he denied that that was actually happening, but it is happening, and it has been happening. And the papers reminded us of it again today. And with all the energy stuff is going on, they're talking about a new levy now for companies that are making what we've described as uh, above normal profits. I would call them obscene profits. But there you have it nonetheless. State-owned energy companies, like the ESB, there would be an extra levy on them if it's seen that their profits are just too high. And you know how we, we hear of, uh, you know, Issues in Ireland regarding our our border, particularly for 
uh, asylum seekers that are coming on, say for instance under applying for international protection orders. But I won't drill into the different reasons why people come here, but when their, uh, when their application has been processed and they have to be deported, that's when the interesting numbers start to stack up with regards to the Department of Justice on flights to, uh, that they have to uh, book and pay for to deport different failed asylum seekers out of the country. Like, for instance, in the last two years, there's some examples given in The Independent this morning. 16,000 had to be spent by the Department of Justice on a deportation mission to Pakistan. In fact, that, extraordinarily enough, 16,000, that involved a business class return flight from the city of Lahore to Doha in Qatar. So we, we as a state paid for all that. Why, why business? I've, I have no idea. I, I just don't know. Uh, but these um, people who are sent back out of the country or deported are by and large because of um, being involved in serious criminality. There were two enforced deportation flights in 2021. Just two. But it's interesting. Uh, 16,300 trip to Pakistan. Another trip to Georgia uh, cost 5,619. But the most expensive enforced deportation trip was to the Philippines, where the individual um, was taken back to the Philippines at the cost to the Irish state of 16,640 euro. Aren't they fierce, expensive flights all the same, lads, no matter what we look at it? Then there was another forced removal of a failed asylum seeker to Barbados, and that cost 6,610 euro. Like, you get return flights to Barbados in a fortnight in a hotel for that. But there it is nonetheless in the papers this morning. And I know we've been talking a lot about cash versus digital, cash versus online. Um, and you can see an example of how many people are migrating to the online world of, um, of uh, you know, doing business and, and retail and buying things. Revolut's profits have gone up and they've just released them for 2022. It's in the financial sections of the examiner this morning. And the Revolut profits grew by 33%. Uh, despite a shocking year for crypto, and you can't compare crypto to Revolut. Revolut are pretty much a bank now. Um, but their profits went up by 33% last year. And there's uh, another update with regards to the... Um, you know this probe that's going into the GAA legend, the GAA ace? Well, the sun this morning digs a little deeper in that one, saying that the top GAA star arrested over an alleged 1 million euro cancer scam is also suspected of selling dodgy motors. Sun this morning reveals that Irish Gardaí believed that he sold a car that had been clocked to a woman he knew. Interesting take on it. Uh, papers also, because I mentioned this uh, on yesterday morning's programme, the Times UK this morning saying that the remains of a baby have been found now in East Sussex. Remember that search that was going on for Lon and have first for Constance Martin and Mark Gordon and also for their the little baby, the missing little baby. They were found and arrested uh, on Monday and then there was a massive search uh, for the baby. And sadly, a baby's remains have been found in Woodland, not too far from those two individuals themselves were apprehended. And that's very sad. Probably should have mentioned this actually when I was talking about things regarding the online world. But, you know, with regards to influencers and bloggers, um, and there are big, there's big talk here and also in the UK about reminding influencers and bloggers that there is a tax liability on their income and their earnings. If you think the bigger influencers and the bigger bloggers are just getting sample products from companies for advertising it online, think again. They're paid, in some cases, big money to um, to share posts on social media 
uh, with regards to products that they're that they're, you know that they're influencing, if you like. But now they're going to use uh, artificial intelligence to monitor. This is the Advertising Standards Authority to monitor social media posts too. And the artificial intelligence will be able to wake out, work out whether the influencers and the bloggers are breaking advertising rules. There's been a lot of research out now saying that all too often it's inauthentic. Uh, a lot of the stuff that influencers are doing, that they engage in photoshopping, that they have too many paid ads and that they misrepresent real life and that they've become very annoying because of certainly misrepresenting real life. You look at bloggers and influencers, they seem to live fantastic lives. And maybe they do. Good luck to them. But apparently one in 10 people, only one in 10 people actually trust what influencers post on their social media channels. And 60% of people uh, believe that they post too much sponsored content. you got to ask yourself the question, if that's the case, why do so many people follow so many influencers? But it's very interesting because they break down into, they break it down in quite some deal, like nearly 70% uh, believe that when an influencer posts a product, they are being paid by the brand to do so. So people know it, I suppose, or at least 70% have cottoned on to the fact that money is changing hands. There's a lovely story in the mail. It stops short of saying, drink as much red wine as you can. When you read the headline, you get the impression, oh, your gut health will be made even better if you drink lots of red wine. It's not the case. It really has more to do with drink as many different kinds. <laughs> of red wine as you can so there's a subtle difference in that one and the papers also this morning say that uh, and I was talking about this yesterday although I never really got into it and I hope to probably be will the amount of electric cars that are being sold which ones are good what kind of mileage you're getting but apparently one in seven cars bought in Ireland last month was electric and also I love this one final story for now do you know the self-drive cars like a lot of the Teslas that are out there now already have the software fitted to them where they will be self-drive when they can switch on the full system. But let's say you have a self-drive car, right? And you have it leased or you have it on HP or you're making repayments to the bank and you stop making the payments or you miss the payments. Well, the self-drive car could repossess itself and drive itself... <laughs> Drive itself back to the garage. I don't know, maybe. Drive itself back to the South Mall and park itself up outside 66 South Mall. I don't know what they would do. But they certainly can repossess themselves. And Ford have submitted a patent in the United States for a system that will allow self-drive cars to drive themselves back to a showroom if the owner failed to meet the terms of their lease or loan. I think it's a cracking story. It'll start actually by... um, it won't just automatically, if you miss a payment, it won't automatically drive the car back. It'll start doing kind of little warning things. It will go into a thing called repossession mode. Um, you'll be first sent warnings on the entertainment system screen. You know, <laughs> pay your bill, pay your bill. <laughs> if you ignore that then, the car then will start disabling features. The first to go will be your... G- <laughs> Your GPS navigation system, so you'll be lost. Then the speakers won't work. <laughs> you won't be able to listen to anything. Uh, then if you continue not to pay the bill, then the air conditioning will shut down. <laughs> and then after that, if you keep on ignoring those signs, <laughs> the car will drive itself back to the showroom. <laughs> 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. <laughs> I just think it's the cracking story the more I think of it. I mean, what else would the car do, the electric car, if you're not paying your repayments? Might let the t- let the air down in one tyre first and say, na, 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 na. You get a flashing sign up on the car, na, 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 na. Then let the air down in the second tyre. Although, the more I think of it, it wouldn't do that because it wouldn't be able to drive itself back to the showroom afterwards. But those self-drive cars, they certainly will have a mind of their own. Having said that, I can't wait. I can't wait for the day that I have a self-drive car and I can go for a snooze on the drive to Kerry or read a book on the drive to Dublin or whatever the case may be. You know, do, do a crossword or something like that. Anyway, lines open. Text 0868104106. We live in changing time, lads. We do. We really do. There's a stat out now saying that there are now 13,753 Ukrainian children and teenagers in schools across the country in Ireland as of December the 22nd. 13,753. And when you drill into that, that's 8,800 8, in primary schools and over 5,000 in post-primary. How long these students will be with us, whether all will go back or not, I do not know. But a new move on Leaside, or at least a proposal on Leaside, and it's their own idea at Kalosh de Eamon Reach, is to, and, and the headline says, to establish uh, a secondary school or indeed a school for Ukrainian students with Ukrainian teachers. Now, I'm open to correction on that proposal. Aaron Wolf, the principal of Kalosh de Eamon Reach, joins me uh, by phone from Deer Park. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. And I want to be accurate about it. What exactly are you proposing? Well, um, first of all, we, this is an idea that we've seen. We were involved in a project called Welcoming Refugees, where we've been going around to different countries looking at how they uh, welcome refugees into their education system. And the model we saw in Germany was the model we'd like to try and replicate here and see does it work. And it is... Um, supplying a class where you keep maybe stu- refugee students together and they could do some of their own curriculum that they will be doing at home. So maybe they could be taught by a Ukrainian teacher if we're talking about Ukrainians. Yeah, but that was that is that a classroom or is it establishing a Ukrainian school in Cork? No, it's not establishing a Ukrainian school at all. It's establishing a classroom. You know, um that, that, that's all that's all we want to do no because it's, it's well, I'm great to clarify that because the, the press coverage that I've seen here is the secondary school principal said he has pitched the idea to the Department of Education or is it me, uh, maybe the finance department Michael McGrath regarding the establishment of a Ukrainian school in Cork no, I'm sure the headline is much more exciting than the idea actually is. No, it is that we're, we're looking for modular buildings, maybe, that we could run Ukrainian classes from, you know, that we keep the Ukrainian students together. Um, because the, the difficulty the Ukrainian students are encountering is that a lot of them are doing six hours of school with us, and then they actually go home and they do an online Ukrainian school as well. Um, because obviously they think they're, they, they want to go home so they want to carry on they, the Irish leaving sort is no good to a lot of yeah. them because they want to go back to Ukraine so what the students are telling us they're exhausted and, and some of them are you know they, they have to take off the morning because they've got Ukrainian classes so what we're thinking here and we've pitched this idea to, um, to Michael McGrath and to the Department of Education that we would like to try and employ a Ukrainian teacher that would help them do their coursework while in, in school, school. With us. Yeah, yeah. in school so we'd have a blended they'd, they'd, they'd be integration into an Irish school but so what attracts them to want to go into the secondary school in the first place if they're doing the Ukrainian curriculum online I, I don't know I suppose they have to do they have to be in school um, 
you know, I think they want to go to school, otherwise they'd just be at home, they'd, they'd be in their hotels, you know, online. Yeah. School is a place for them to go. Like, it's desperately sad when you speak to these students because they they are just stuck up in a hotel. Yeah, so it's important um, to integrate with other students, of course, and also, I mean, what's, their, what's their English like? Oh, it varies. It absolutely varies. You know, some of them have excellent English, some of them have no English, um, and they really help each other out. But that, that, that it's like it's very difficult for them. They come in here if they have no English, and the trauma they're going through as well. Like it must be very daunting for them. Yeah. So we're we saw the German model was where they kept them together, and they they had a, a Ukrainian teacher teaching the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was it was great. It was a great great idea. So we thought, look, we want to run it as a pilot here in Cork and see does it work are there pros and cons look it's no harm in trying new ideas do you know yeah yeah you, you, you keep a close eye on them I suppose you can tell if any are struggling or indeed if they're you know maybe a little bit down or, or depressed or not um, not, not oh, integrating I, are you, do you have like red flags <laughs> oh, for that like it is desperately sad like we had one uh, a boy that came here at 12 years old and he cried every single day for two months every day that's what I'm talking about you see that's heartbreaking isn't it Absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, when you see people about these protests about Ireland is full and all that, they really need to look at the children that that war is affecting. Because these children are totally innocent and they don't deserve this. Their lives have been uprooted. For example, we, we got a school dog. And when we brought the dog out to one of the Ukrainians, they started crying because straight away they said, oh, my dog is back in Ukraine. Yeah. And, 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 like, kind of and that, that really that really gives you an, an example because everybody, you know, certainly in our, in our own home, you know, everybody's pet is sacred to them. They're a member of the family. But could you help that struggling lad then in any way? Well, we can. I mean, we have counsellors here. We're very, we're very lucky uh, in that respect. But you know, there's that, that's huge trauma. Um, we're, we, we've done this. We're a trauma responsive school. Like we've done courses, but. God, that poor child. Um, it was just kind of cajoling him along and building, for, getting him to friends. Yeah, and it is was he improving? Ukrainians rallying. Oh, absolutely. He's great now. He's absolutely great. You know, um, like they do love it here, but they all say they want to go home. Yeah, yeah. You know, they do like Ireland. How many have you got they, there? Have you got, did I read you like twenty-five or something? We're twenty-five. Yeah. 25. And have they all said they want to go home? Oh yeah, they all want to go. Like home is Ukraine. Um, and they, they do love it here and when we had the Taoiseach visit us well the Taoiseach at the time Michal Martin yeah. and they, they wanted to thank him they wanted to meet him and thank him for everything that he's done and the government has done but they, they, they want to go home like yeah. their homes are back there as I said their pets are there yeah. um, it's, it's awful yeah. oh absolutely awful but um, it's really when you speak to the children like there was one student in this school and when the war broke out he said he had to spend three weeks in a bathroom the family just hiding in their bathroom they're sheltering from bombs another guy he had videos of the city being bombed the whole time a plane crashing outside one guy actually had a photograph of him holding an unexploded bomb crashed right outside his house and he's out there with his that's risky and, business isn't it Absolutely, but you know it's, it's surreal what they came to us yeah, um, yeah. with, and videos of their schools absolutely floored. It's crazy, absolutely devastating for yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And will you be able to get? I mean, obviously there's an awful lot of Ukrainians here, so clearly there would be Ukrainian teachers, right? Oh, absolutely, you know, and that's what we're saying to do. Um, we, we've got increased enrollment to this school, so we have job vacancies coming up next year. And what we said to the department: look, we're very willing to employ Ukrainian. Um, teacher, put her on, put them on our role list. But the one thing we actually just need is a modular building because we've we've run out of space. We don't have room 
uh, we don't have a classroom to provide this. Yeah. So that's what and and do, do you think that other schools could get on board for something like this? I mean, that would be oh. Michael McGrath's gig, wouldn't it? Well, it would absolutely, and that's what we're saying, you know, maybe run it as a pilot here, if any other schools were interested, maybe we could all get together and see whether we could do this, but um, I think the department look at pilot projects first, but obviously this is time sensitive, these Ukrainian students need it now. You, there, there has been a bit of pushback though, because when we were sharing the story, it was on the basis that it was to be a Ukrainian school, but even if it's separated and you have Ukrainian kids being taught by a Ukrainian teacher, is, is, is that going to help integration, do you think? Well, it is. I mean, like, for example, so during Irish time, there are students in our school that don't do Irish. So they're withdrawn anyway. So, you know, it's just like another subject. You know, in secondary school, you're not going to be whisked away altogether. Maybe these students won't be doing Irish. Maybe they won't be doing history. And they go off and they do Ukrainian instead. So it's, um, there's still integration. There's still the sport. There's still maths. There's still lunchtime. There's still full integration. Yeah. But it's yeah. just like going off to another subject. Are they getting involved think, in sport, are they? Oh, God, yeah, 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 absolutely. They get involved in absolutely every aspect of school life. What they love in this school is cooking. They all, they all go to, a, we do after-school cookery clubs, and they're all in there cooking stuff. Any, handy, any handy hurlers? No, not yet, not yet. No, 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 no. That's something we're looking out for, but no, not yet. I have a great story, no, a great story later on this morning of a bunch of Cork lads who are out, and they've got a Gaelic football team in Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that's absolutely brilliant <laughs> a Cambodian GAA league listen seriously before I let you go how did the uh, trip turn out in Turkey in the end being caught in the middle of a country with a devastating earthquake how did it go yeah well we were you know we were fine we were in Istanbul thank God we didn't get to the destination yeah. we're still in contact with the school we were going to there are still people missing it's desperately sad like I mean it's, it's, it's a bizarre situation to have been in but you know our hearts just go out to our friends because we actually know these people mm. um, they're still out looking for family members and friends it's, it's desperate yeah amazing how the wheel of media moves on we don't really talk about it anymore but yet the devastating consequences are ongoing there isn't it true yeah I mean they're still on to us about tremors they're still getting tremors like but you know it's, it's old news you know okay listen Bad. good to catch up Aaron thanks so much uh, update, yeah, update us if there's any developments in, with regards to your proposal will you uh, absolutely and just, to, just to, to talk about like people saying setting up a Ukrainian school it's very important to realise like Cork has a Polish school and Cork has a, uh, a Hungarian school they're, they're schools that run once a week every week oh, oh know? I know that but I was just hearing that people were saying my god almighty a secondary school that would be paid for by the state and the taxpayer just for Ukrainian students who are supposed to be here temporary when yeah, no, others then not. can't get places for say children with learning disabilities do you know what I mean yeah. you know that's, yeah, the, no, that, that's, that, 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 that's not the story but talk for learning disabilities all that you know our school runs five ASD units so we're, we're meeting our criteria we're catering for all and it's just like we offer Polish as a subject in this school oh so I, I get that and that's why I wanted to ask you I understand yeah. all of that it's just that the, the story that I was presented with is a Cork Secondary School principal has pitched the idea of establishing a Ukrainian school with specialised Ukrainian teachers uh, within the Department of Education you say that's that's not the proposal yeah no not at all it's a classroom alright okay <laughs> see it's good to clarify these things take care Aaron thanks for taking cheers, the call God cheers up. back after the break Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. Just a fast one on this because obviously others are struggling to find places for children as it is. Sarah, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are this you? This is not a school as the media were portraying. This is a classroom. Happy to, yeah. uh, happy to clarify that. Yeah, well, you see, with Callum, I spoke to you before about Callum. He has learning issues. He can't go to a normal secondary school because there's no teachers there 
to help him. He yeah. has to leave his community then to go to a secondary school for him. There's only just two. Two schools in the whole lot of Cork mm. to take kids with something wrong with them. Mm. Mm. Two schools. He was turned down for one school because there wasn't enough places and his name well, it had to go in like a lottery. So yes, I, I've heard lottery. with other parents where it could well be a lottery and you could be in that yeah. lottery with five or ten other parents and their child. Exactly, yeah. 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 So he didn't get into that school. He got into the other secondary school, but he was actually lucky to get in there. His name was a lottery again. Mm, mm. I emailed all the TDs. The, they emailed Micheál Martin. I got to Michael McGrath. I got to Norma Foley. Yeah. I got on to Minister Mad- Madigan. So, Madigan. So, you, Madigan. Uh, what, what you want is a school and a classroom and a seat for your son just, in his own community. Yeah, just yeah. a class. A class where kids, there's one, two, three, there's four, including five, including Callum, five kids who have to leave their community in September to go to a school outside of the community because they don't have teachers or SNAs or anyone to help them in their community school. So if you, if you hear of a proposal then of, and again, this is not a Ukrainian school as was being proposed in the papers. This is a classroom. Does that annoy you? A, modu- does, a modular yeah, building for yeah. a Ukrainian kid? It, yeah. it does because kids, Callum is Irish. He's an Irish child who has mental issues, who's on Cam's waiting list, who can't be seen by anyone. We are struggling at home to help him. And then he has to leave his community to go to a school where he's now losing his friends from sixth class in the school he's already yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, a new environment. Yeah. Exactly, and that's not right. But yet again, they can build modular homes for the Ukrainians, they are now talking about pushing in a classroom. But there are, but there are nearly fourteen. I know, but there are nearly fourteen Ukrainian childrens and children in primary and secondary schools in Ireland. But why can't my child go to a secondary school in the community? He's being pushed out. I applied for for all other schools, and because he doesn't have autism or a diagnosis of autism, mm. he can't go to the school because of the ASD unit. Mm, mm, mm. So he's still being pushed out of all those places. And it's absolutely wrong. Mm. And do you think and you're talking on behalf of many other parents with children with learning disabilities? There's lots of other parents, loads of other parents. If they opened the community schools for kids with autism, for kids with any learning disabilities, for anything, what's wrong with them? Every single child will have a school place in September. The figure, though, for special needs pupils enrolled in special classrooms in primary and post-primary in Ireland is 12,700. There's nearly 13,000 kids already engaged in special classrooms in Main Street Primary. They're, they're a, yeah. And secondary. So they can, give, they can give their help in. So Callum can go to a normal primary school with help. Okay? Mm. He's in mainstream primary school with help. Yeah. There's a resource teacher there. She takes him out, helps him with his maths, helps him with his English. He's 13, 
but he is on a second class maths and English. He also has short term memory loss. So everything what he learns, he forgets. They have no problem, they keep helping him. Yeah. Yeah. But why is there help not in the community? So Second how far would you have to travel? Just finally, how far would you have to travel? He now has to get a bus to go up to St. Mary's. I don't have transport myself. So I now would have to walk from my house to get up to St. Mary's if I need to get up to him. How far is it from the home? Uh, it's a Rochestown up in Old Court. And you're going from where? From Mahan. From Mahan to Rochestown? Yeah. Okay. And is that a walk? I'd have to walk that. Yeah, that's a big walk. Every day? Callum wouldn't be... Where Callum has his transport, well, I'm saying Callum has his transport. If Callum does get turned down for his transport, he won't be able to go to school. So what you, how will you go? Will you go down the line, is it? I'll have to walk the line up past uh, Rochestown College walk all the way up that road and up two country roads. Up the hill? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ma- but you won't walk from Mahan up past the monastery. I have to. Every day? I to get up there. If he doesn't have transport to get up there, I'd have to. Twice a day? Yeah, I'd have to, yeah. But In yet the w- again, there's a secondary school right across the road. But there must be a better proposal than that. That's, like, among yes, other things. Doesn't. In the winter, like, it'll be dark, it'll be dangerous. Yeah, if he doesn't have a transport, he will have to walk up there. Okay, so if he doesn't have transport provided, is there... What about a bus service, no? No, no, no buses. So you would walk from Mahan all the way down the line, down the Roachstown Road, up the Roachstown Hill, past the monastery and down country lanes in the middle of winter? Yeah, I'd have to. See if I have to get my child to school. And is that what you're planning to do? If he doesn't have transport, I'd have to do it. To get him to school. But that's cruelty. To you exactly. and to your son. Exactly, but yet again, then they're talking about putting Ukrainian classroom with teachers in an ordinary school. And they can't do it for, for kids like Callum. Where's Callum's, where Callum's secondary school is across the road in Mahan. Exactly. Yeah. There's loads of other people. So would you be would saying, come on now school. guys, let's put some more modular buildings on the side of the school in Mahan, please. Exactly. Why okay. can't they do that? Okay. If okay. they can do it for the Ukrainians, okay. Okay. why can't they do it for kids like Callum? Okay. There'll be no issues whatsoever. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate you taking uh, the call. Text 0868 That's going to be one heck of a long walk. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106 Red FM. Morning all, text 086-8104-106. I got another uh, contact, this time by email from uh, some homeowners in that estate I was telling you about yesterday, uh, a public authority estate, where you have a couple of families who are absolutely ruining it for everybody else. It was quite a detailed one. We're talking about, um, I'm not going to say the amount of houses, but certainly not too far off a hundred houses in the estate in total. Um, And this email says, I live in the estate, same estate as the cat killer kids. Uh, I was at work the other day and straight away when you were reading out the letter, I knew you were speaking about the area I live in. I was hoping and praying that you wouldn't give out the location as out of all of the houses, as I say, well over 80 of them in this estate, it's just Two tow rags and their families causing the trouble. We have 
dozens and dozens and dozens of other houses working, raising families and just getting on with their lives. And we don't deserve the reputation that these two houses give the area. On a constant basis, I've been woken from my sleep, mainly at the weekends when the drink and the drugs are free-flowing in one of the scumbag houses. Cars are pulling up at all hours of the night, dropping people and presumably dropping or collecting drugs as well. Fights are a regular occurrence and the guards' presence along with it that has to happen. This has been going on for years. One of the tow rags is arrested, thrown in the back of a paddy wagon and taken away. And you breathe a sigh of relief, thinking you'll sleep tonight at least, only to come home from work the next day, work the next day, to see him walking freely around, not a care in the world. Getting away with it, of course, because he is underage. The guards must be losing the will to live at this stage, dealing with the likes of them. Uh, They could honestly open a substation here, as they have spent so much time dealing with one in particular. Elderly neighbours are living in fear, afraid to come out their doors if they're around. The council are well aware of the situation and the trouble and fear these two tow rags inflict on a weekly basis, and yet nothing has been done. I just ask you to remember, when dealing with this story, that you keep in mind the other Many, many, many families that are just going on about their lives, waiting for the day these scumbags get thrown into the back of a paddy wagon and don't return. Obviously, don't give out my details. Well, I'm sorry if I gave you the frighteners thinking yesterday when you heard me reading out the letter that I was going to name the housing estate or the area. I would never do that. And the reason I wouldn't do it is exactly the reason you give, because there are so many other people there who are rearing families and going on to work and living and trying to have pride in where they live without these people reckoning for them. So you got these two young people, of course. When we say cat killers, it's alleged that the two of them uh, put a cat into um, one of those children's ovens, turned it on, and uh, you can only imagine, uh, obviously the cat did not survive that. But then there are adults in the area who are just really and truly um, just acting the absolute maggot. I don't know whether it's the parents, those kids or whatever, but no, I would never mention an area, but I do understand yesterday's lengthy letter was saying over and over again, why doesn't the council just evict them, evict them, evict them? Why should everybody else have to put up with it? So thank you for that email. If there's anybody else would like to contribute, uh, please do so, because by talking about it, believe me, it can make a very big difference. Right, lines open, 0818104106. Sooner or later, I'm going to have to stop with regards to our stories on solo travel, but we really had an awful lot of fun listening to people's tales over the past week or so. I got a great prize for the best one, which is dinner for two at Spitchak with wine. So I want to do another couple today, if you don't mind, just dip in and out of it. Carmel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are now, you? Now, you're the lady with the fear of trains, right? Yes, very much so. Okay, so tell us all about that fear first. Why? Well, I never did in my early life, um, but on our first um, family holiday to Portugal oh, many years ago, we travelled by train across a short distance. And after coming back from holidays, we were home a few weeks when it came on the news that that particular train had crashed all and right. there had been multiple fatalities. All right. And I think myself that's that just embedded in my brain and after that it was just it, it was it was every time I got on the train I'd be pulling the red car to get off 
numerous times. And that probably wouldn't have been helped with regards to the two trains crashing into each other full on in Greece the other day. Well, I I cried last night. I I cried in bed and I cried for all of those people. And like, you know, it just doesn't do me good to hear those things. But, you know, like I said in the email, like uh, I spent years trying to conquer this thing. And And you did in 2002 at the age of 52. My God, did you do it? Where did you go? <laughs> well, I decided that if I was going to conquer, so number one, I had to go on my own. Number two, I had to go to the furthest away spot I could find, and I had to find the longest rail journey that I could, so which led me down to Australia, um, down to Sydney, and to cross over on the Indian Pacific train from Sydney over to Perth. And I had a look at that so, train yesterday because people might think that it's an, a train across India. It's not. It's called the Indian Pacific and it goes from Sydney to Perth. It's called the Indian Pacific because it goes from the Indian Ocean over to the Pacific Ocean Good and stuff. vice versa. Yeah. So how um, how did you get there? Obviously you didn't fly out of Cork. You must have gone, what, like Dublin or I something? flew from Dublin to Abu Dhabi and then I flew from Abu Dhabi down to Sydney. And what did everybody think of this trip that you were taking? Sure, they didn't care. <laughs> Nobody, I, 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 we kind of, you know, I, I liked to travel, but this time I wanted to do it on my own. So, um, you know, they said to me, well, why are you going on your own? And I said, you know, because I get on well with myself. I'm kind of my best friend. You could have just um, gone on your own at Cork Dublin return. I went, to, I went on my own to Cork Killarney <laughs> and I had to get off in Mill Street. Oh no, why? Did you just get overwhelmed? Completely, completely. I, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't cope with it. But uh, yeah, I went and I did that and it was a long old journey. You know, like it, it's a three night, four days. It's 4,352 kilometres from, from Sydney to Perth. Okay, but you flew Dublin, Abu Dhabi, and then Sydney. But you spent some time around Sydney first on your own, didn't you? I spent a week in Sydney first, and I had planned that I'd take the train then. Um, How'd you get on in Sydney on your own? You're a solo traveller. Oh, I loved it. I'd been there before. Now, I've been there a few times. I was there with my daughter, and I was there there another time. Um, Sure, I mean, it's no different to Cork, Neil. I mean, you just, people speak the same language. Everybody just gets about their business. You get your bearings and off you go. Yeah, okay, okay. Better weather, um, better weather, know. probably certainly in the summer. Oh, Although- lovely, really lovely weather, like you know. And, and yeah, there, there is no, there's no um, stress in being in Sydney. I mean, okay. it's the most beautiful city in the world. Okay. So putting your but, foot um, upon the train, then climbing up into it, knowing that that would be your home for the next four thousand yes, three hundred fifty-two kilometers. Yeah, it was very daunting now, I have to say. Um, staff were brilliant. I explained my case because everybody, you had a carriage assistant and, you know, so you were, she was put me very much at was ease. Was it very and, posh then? Um, it wasn't very posh. It was posh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. She was like, there's me, the Irish one, like as white as a milk bottle. And I just thought to myself, you know what, now, head down, keep going. But you get your own cabin, though, and they turn down the bed. Yes, I had my own cabin. And so, like, you know, like they do, they, they'd come in during the day and they'd, they'd um, put the seat back up and then at the evening they'd come down. Like, turn it, like, it into a cruise. bedroom, yeah, like they the Orient into Express. A bed and yeah. You'd go to the dining room then for your meals and... It was very, there were a lot, most of the people travelling on it, like we'll say, were older, you know, and retired people and, you know, and met some very nice people. And so there you go, you're friends. answering my question. Did you make friends on the train? I did now. I, I met two sisters and we're still in touch and I've been back out once to visit them again. They live up in the, the northern shores up above Sydney. And what did um, they make of an Irish woman travelling to Australia to take a transcontinental trip to conquer a fear of trains? 
should say that I was great because I never shut up talking. <laughs> you know? Oscar, you know Oscar Wilde once said, it would be a wonderful thing if we could teach the English to speak and the Irish to listen. Yeah. What is he like? Is he most people were kind of saying, you know, especially when I was on my way back, we'll say, after doing the whole Australia-New Zealand trip and people were saying, you've seen more than in Australia and I've lived here all my life and you've seen every part of it. And I said, yeah, but look, it's just what I want to do. It's what I love doing, like, and... But you got you off know, along the way, didn't you? We, well, we, the first stop we had was up the Blue Mountains, and we only basically had about an hour there. Then we were, I had a stop in a place called Broken Hill, another hour. Yeah. Then we had another stop in a place called Cook. Now, Cook is very interesting. There's a population of six, two dogs, and about <laughs> 40 squillion flies. <laughs> Why stop there then? <laughs> they just, they kind of like to, they change drivers over there and, and, you know, they do different things. And then it was on for the longest, and the next part then was across the Nullabar Plain, which is the longest straight stretch of rail line in the world. That's 1,750 kilometres straight stretch. Nothing, only scrub. Right. Nothing. So it's the, Nothing. Uh, it's the onboard experience is what this train is out about. Onboard. Been, and you know, I've now, been looking at video footage of it and it is very plush. Yeah. I mean, it's five stars. The night time star. kind of freaked, freaked me out a small bit because at night they do a lot of shunting of carriages and they'd pick up speed at night then you see, and the speed thing would be a huge thing for me, like, you know. So were there train. times when you wanted to get off at Mill Street? No, because, uh, no, because I knew I couldn't get off and I knew I had nobody with me. I knew I had nobody in the country to turn to and I just said, you know what, now... But, you know, once I got off that, and as I was saying in the email, and I kind of travelled up up to Broome for a couple of days and then up to Darwin, I came down then on the Gan, which is another one of these iconic trains, from Dar- it goes from Darwin down to Adelaide, but I went from Gat- Darwin down to Alice Springs, because I wanted to spend a it, week there. It said you did 16 flights and four epic train journeys. Um, mm. Was that all on the one I trip? And the best part of it was when I was when I was in Auckland, when I arrived in Auckland down in New Zealand, I realised that Coldplay were playing concert the following week. <laughs> so while I was traversing below in the South Island, then on more trains, my plan was to come back up and go to see Coldplay live. And yeah, I did. you did. I did. I did, and I was right up the front. <laughs> so have you conquered your fear of trains? Um, I avoid them. <laughs> And I don't travel on them. So I don't know what answer you're going to get out of that. But look, I mean, I, I would drive to Dublin before I take the train and I would have a travel pass for travelling. Yeah. But, cause, you know, when I came home, I mean, I've, I've been quite ill there for a while, but I'm, I'm okay now that. again. Sorry to hear that. You know, what and, did you, uh, what, you know, on the train, did you go, did you go, there's different looking at the prices here if we could just put the prices back on the screen there and I'm just looking yes. at the different prices They've, they vary from 3,600 uh-huh. all the way up to nearly um, well, I think the prices are gone now but the, you can go for a single then for 1,784 what, 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 did you, what did you take? I, I tell you know what happened to me Neil I contacted a travel uh, bearing in mind this 11 years ago like, you know, and I did book no, I'm looking at the prices of it now it, like, yeah, for the I kind of travel you did it, 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 I hate saying this but it, you know, it, it's a lot cheaper than say an Orient Express or a, another thing like yes, that yes it is it is I contacted a, tra- I contacted a travel agency in Dublin at the time that were 
advertising, you know, they were Australian and all that. And I just spoke to one of the girls and I said to her, look, I said, can you quote me a price for the Indian Pacific? I said, return, uh, not a return, but a single journey. So she came back to me with a price and I said to her, oh, God, that sounds very reasonable. I said, lock that in. So I was transferred the money and I all. She rang me about a week later and she said to me, I made a fierce boo-boo. She said, that was for the gold class, she said. That, that, that was the price I gave you, she said, was actually for the, is that for a sleeper seat, that you could sleep in a seat as opposed to having a cabin. But she said, you're going in there now to a gold class cabin and I have to stand over that. She oh said, my God, oh, win, win. Yeah. Good luck, I said to her, yeah, thank you yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. And I was going, oh, yeah, sure, now you won't get into trouble. And in my head, I was going, yeah, I don't care whether you get into trouble or not. <laughs> Made out like a bandit. Great, great story, though, and certainly a fantastic adventure. You may not have conquered the fear, but you had the time of your life. Yeah, but you know what, now, Neil, I suppose if in the morning it came to it that I had to board the train for whatever reason, like, I take my, I for adorable, beautiful grandchildren since that journey. So the odd time we would go down to take them down to Cove but I won't go to the city because I don't like coming out under the tunnel I like to go to Glown Town and hop on there <laughs> Stiff gin and tonic maybe a stiff gin and tonic next time <laughs> <laughs> anyhow yeah yeah. great story so, Carmen thanks it, for sharing it thanks Fantastic. very much Neil God bless have a take good day bye-bye. you bye-bye. too keep those solo travel stories coming guys email neil at redfm.ie text 0868104106 hey it's Dave join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home big hits loads of fun features and traffic info what more could you need join me weekdays from 4 Dave Max Drive get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now 086 8104 106 and indeed Red FM. 300 euro cash to give away every day this week courtesy of Brinks Box so it's day 4 of our 300 euro cash giveaway and every day 300 euro cash will be won and tomorrow 300 euro cash will be won and somebody will get a Brinks box fitted to their business um, particularly if you're dealing in cash and will be installed in your back office or whatever you lodge your euros inside in your Brinks box and actually digitally then that money is um, you know shows up in your account the, the next day uh, when your Brinks box is full the Brinks box staff come along and they physically take the cash and they bank it for you so your cash is managed safely fast and conveniently never having to go to the bank again. It's designed for all sorts of businesses of all sorts of shapes and sizes. You can find out more online. Just Google Brinks Box but we have one of those to uh, get away, give away and you'll get a, a, a six month subscription for the Brinks Box as well. So 300 euro, um, I'll explain it in more detail later on this morning but I do have a four digit code. You must guess the fourth digit and win the 300 euro but I'll be opening the text lines in about an hour's time and you can nominate the business that you'd like to have win the Brinks Box tomorrow. Nominate the business we're having a lot of fun with that and we'll do it again a little later on. Do you remember Vincent yesterday morning was talking about customer service just being gone to pot in retail uh, and his background for nigh on 40 years was uh, retail and he was of the opinion that customer service is a thing of the past that there's no connection between staff and customers anymore and the days of greeting customers are gone. Massive response to that, either by text or indeed online. And here's some of the feedback from you guys uh, with regards to customer service. Is it a thing of the past? Probably because retail staff spent the entire pandemic being verbally abused for either having too many COVID procedures or not enough, often in the same day. So yeah, I'd imagine that retail staff are a little less chatty, but you also get what you give. Most places have staff that are very kind and chatty, so long as customers are not being rude. 
there's only one place in Cork I wouldn't visit and it's not because of the staff, it's actually because of the owner. And I simply choose not to go there. Another one, I think the customer service in Cork is lovely. I always have a nice little exchange and leave feeling good. Staff have gone above and beyond to help me find stuff whenever I need. And I think you get what you give. Now, extraordinarily, yesterday, Vincent was on air. And we then got a call from James Whelan's butchers, member of staff there, who said, hang on a second. Vincent was in there recently and I spent 20 minutes chatting with him at the counter about soccer. <laughs> that was a cracking call. I've no problem chatting to my customers and most don't have a problem with me. But there are a few people who were spoiled during COVID. It's as if they feel now like everyone is still in a rush and they can be quite abusive towards retail workers. They tell us, they tell us that they're in a hurry. Stop the chatting. Needless to say, I just tell them that there are more checkouts available if they're in such a hurry. Uh, The only thing that really annoys me is when till staff chat to one another while they're checking out my shopping. They're so engrossed in the conversation that they just tell me the total and don't say the magic word, please. But that aside, staff can be helpful. It's a different world now, though. It's all about targets and how fast they are checking out shoppers. Everyone's individual performance is recorded on computers now, you see. While I respect that gentleman's view on the radio, the days of the TV show Are You Being Served are long gone. It's all about targets now. That's what the multinational wants. They don't care about staff of customers. They're all only a number. Big response to this, as you can see. I've been living in Cork for 19 years and something that impressed me when I arrived was how staff in general were so polite and with a smile. Believe me that in a country that I'm coming from, that really is very different. Do you know something? If you travel overseas, if you ever go to America, I think you would say that our customer service here is friendlier. I mean, I I think that anyway. I think, by and large, much friendlier. There's nothing more annoying than spending some hard-earned money in a shop and then silence from the cashier as you're leaving the checkout. Not a please, thank you, nor have a nice day. Manners are one of the few things in life that are free, you know. Uh, I don't think customer service is gone. All our outlets in Ballancolig are very lucky with the staff they have. They're pleasant helpful, doing wonders for their businesses. Also, remember, you get what you give. If you give a smile, you'll get a smile back. People can have a bad day at work too, you know. Some bosses can be pleasant to the public. They may not be pleasant to their workers. When you go into a shop, you don't know what's going on behind the counter. Bosses have to take responsibility for their staff being pleasant too. Um, So, as in, you know, you get what you give. That's one of the main themes I'm seeing from many of these texts. There's lots more which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But I don't go back to the story from earlier on this morning. In fact, I mentioned it first yesterday morning. And that is the clamping at Kent. And apparently since 2018, it's handy revenue for Irish Rail. Just under 400 grand, 380,000 in clamping fines. Um, I want to talk about that to Barry Kenny, PRO of Irish Rail, but not just that, but also about, about catering and the reintroduction of uh, the catering on the train. So he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, good news with regards to the catering anyway. Let's, let's start with that before we drill into the clamping. What's the deal? When will it return? It'll be early next month now. Thankfully, I'm delighted to be able to say next month because it, it has felt like a little while. Uh, uh, as people know, obviously, there was no catering uh, during COVID yeah. with uh, the, the, the face covering regulations. Uh, and when the, they ceased uh, about this time last year, uh, we were working with our provider that we had then to, to get it back. But ultimately, by May of last year, they said between costs and staffing, they weren't in a position to do it. So they pulled out of the contract. So we've been working in it. And it hasn't been easy. Uh, it, it's 
certainly a lot more uh, challenging than we probably expected um, because all the providers were coming to us with the same issue. But what we've been able to do is say, get well, back what was the, the issue, though? Because the trains are very busy. You think they'd be chomping at the yeah. bit for that contract? Yeah, well, I, I suppose, uh, you know, the, the, the issue is that, uh, you know, the, the costs that for them had, had gone up uh, significantly and our funding for this had not. Yeah, um, yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. Is the fundamental. Um, and uh, ultimately, say, we were trying to work within the funding that we had to say, what can we give back? Uh, what can we get back? We would have preferred a thing probably to have something on every route, but with all the multiple locations, that wasn't possible. Cork to Dublin is obviously the busiest intercity route. It also serves people travelling to and from Kerry and Limerick as gotcha, well. Gotcha, yeah. So, so you're going to do it yourself on, or what? No, no, it's a, it is Carriage Foods. They're a, uh, an Irish company. Uh, they Actually, their sister company operates the catering on the Dublin Belfast Enterprise for us uh, at present. Uh, so they'll be doing it, and we'll, we will start back, as I say, with some services from early next month, and within a few weeks, just as they recruit people, all trains on the Cork to Dublin route uh, will have onboard catering. It'll be a trolley service, so we, we, we won't have the, uh, the cooked meals. Obviously, there's a bigger staffing requirement for that. And then we'll be going out to tender for the full national network uh, and to see what's out there. We're also looking at things like vending machines um, to see, you know, is that something that can, you know, supplement or complement uh, the trolley service? Yeah. You know, customers, uh, i got to say one thing is, it's very hard to see actually how much people value uh, and, and enjoy the catering service in, in its absence. Uh, but you don't want, I think people do want that kind of uh, service to the seat uh, as opposed to... What's uh, on the trolley? On the trolley, it'll be the hot, hot, hot drinks as as per. It'll be the, the sandwiches and snacks. Um, uh, obviously, if we've got vending machines, we wouldn't be vending uh, hot drinks uh, okay. from those. So we're okay. going to pilot those on a couple of different trains, uh, see how that works, see if there's a demand for it, and that could form part of uh, an expanded... Okay, okay. okay. so but we're talking about hot, hot tea is, hot tea or coffee, would be sandwiches, biscuits, chocolates, crisps yep, and stuff absolutely, like that. Absolutely, exactly. Okay. And as but, I say, we, we, you know, we're looking forward to it, and I think our customers... You can get hot meals on the Dublin Belfast train. You're, you're talking about never going back to the days of City Gold with the full Irish or the mixed grill no, coming home. No, we're not talking about never going back to that. It won't be part of this interim provision while we're doing the, the, the full tender. When we do the full tender, we'll see what, how the costs uh, wash out for that, see you know what, what the services are that can be provided yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, for that. So, so what, when is that? Early April then, is it? Early April, yeah. Okay. The precise date is obviously the, the carriage foods are doing their recruitment at the moment, uh, but they will have it early April. We go, it was a, before Easter, I think. Is okay, okay. Um, you, you would think you'd be able to afford to run a full service with the uh, 400 grand you nearly raised since 2018 clamping cars at Kent Station, right? It sounds a big number. It's 80,000 a year. It's, uh, I think when you get down to that, it's, it, it, it's, it's not quite so big. I mean, clamping is a deterrent not paying for parking. That's that's the, the, the long and short parking charges and some people say well why do you have parking charges at all it is an extra extra I suppose, facility parking for people who drive to the station not everybody drives to the station in fact it's a, a significant minority of people that drive to the station so uh, by having that ability it tends to be significantly lower than other city centre parking charges it is well, lower I, I accept that yeah but yeah. a lot of a lot of people are very upset that they might get off the last trains pitch dark nearly midnight and their cars clamped well as I say, there's a way of avoiding that, and that's paying for the parking. Um, and uh, we do our our, our, our company that, that look after our car parks for us. They are available after last train as well. We, 
we wouldn't leave people stranded, obviously. Uh, that's not something that would be appropriate to do. So it does allow for that. We do allow, we communicate with them if there's things like train delays that, that, that could impact on people's time going over. We will tell uh, people about that as well, tell the, the provider as well. But ultimately, if you come along after the last train and the car is clamped, the first reason for that is because the car parking charge hasn't been paid for. Or it's run out, isn't it? Well, no, I mean, if, they, if you pay for your time, you know what I mean? If you're going up, up and back on the one day, I mean, we've got a 24-hour, you know, parking rate. So it is a 24 hours. And it's oh, I see. Morning. So it yeah. can't run yeah. out. It's 24-hour bust, is it? Uh, 20, it's, it's 24 hours. And by the way, because it's something that, that, that uh, is, is app-based as well, if it's a thing that your plans change and you're away for longer than you expected, you can update that uh, via the, 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 the app as well. So it's, uh, we do have, we, you know, we're aware of the fact that people's plans change, so it is uh, the flexibility. But it's their responsibility uh, too, if their plans change too. In the, in the first instance, and by the way, you know, has there been ever, ever an incident where somebody's been clamped uh, incorrectly? Yes, and there's an appeals process there. And if that has happened incorrectly, that's something that, that can be refunded uh, at that time. It's very rare, but it, but, but, it, but it has happened. But it's become a dull issue now. There's a parliamentary question from a Labour TD for Cork East, a fellow by the name of Sean Sherlock. He's saying that in the times of cost of living crisis, it's wrong to be clamping people 120 euro. I mean, that figure in itself is mental. Well, again, you know, it is a deterrent versus, uh, you know, versus what is quite cheap. You know, that, this is not something that's a cost to use our car park uh, or a cost uh, to travel by train. It's a fine for not paying for the parking. You know what I mean? And, and that does genuinely have to have uh, a penalty uh, involved. I mean, our, our charges for 24 hours uh, in Kent Station is €8.50. If you're a regular commuter, if you use the station, for example, to, you know, travel up to uh, uh, to Mallow uh, or to other stations, kind of, you know, beyond even to Limerick, you can get the parking for €30 Euro a week. Uh, you know, these are reasonable parking charges in a city centre facility. Mm. So mm. The, the cost of living crisis, you know, nobody is being forced to pay €120 Euro a day. Uh, Two hours and five minutes in a queue park would cost me that in the city car park. Two yeah, hours and you know, five nobody, the, the only reason you're paying 120 euro a day, 120 euro, is if you haven't paid that small rate. So it's their, it's your own fault for not paying it. Well, it's, 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 it's you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's important that we've got signage all over the car park. It's important we do everything we can to make sure people are aware uh, of the requirements uh, to pay for parking. There's an hourly rate as well, which is which is which is three euro for obviously kind of people using the uh, uh, the, the station for just a short period of time, uh, but. You know, overall, for, for where these, uh, for where Kent Station is and, and our other urban stations uh, are, these are reasonable charges. Out in the commuter network where we have car parking charges, it's a different one because it's a different type of a, yeah. uh, of, of a customer. Uh, yeah, uh, Labour aren't so. letting go on this. Just hold on for a second because I have Peter yeah. Horgan, who's a Labour spokesman on the side. Peter, if, if, if you don't pay your 850 for 24 hours, which is reasonable, you're going to be clamped and it's your own fault. What's there to see here? Well, nobody's saying from the Labour Party, Neil, that, that you shouldn't pay for parking. 100% we believe you should pay for parking. Yeah. And should there be an enforcement policy for people who don't pay for the parking or parking correctly? 100% there should be. Yeah, so what's the problem? But we then? feel we feel there shouldn't be clamping. In Cork City, we don't operate a clamping policy on public land. And people will say that the Irish rate is private property, but it is funded by the taxpayer. Um, and our view is that clamping is, is such a visceral 
impact on someone when they come back. You could be coming back from a hospital appointment. You could have you could have come back to work. You're tired, whatever it is, and a clamp on your car is just it's just the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, but it happens you, everywhere. Douglas Woolamills is the same. I mean, if, here here at Red FM, if somebody parks in an area that's not there here, Apcor, they're in the blue van, and they put a clamp on your car. And I'm not a fan of that either. And I don't think there should be clamping at all. I don't think you should, if you are parking correctly, or if you didn't pay your parking charge, as Barry said, and I agree with you, if you don't pay your parking charge, you should get a Like fine. it's 8.50 for 24 hours. That's two minutes and five minutes in a private car park in the city. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a, it's great, it's a great service. And Irish Rail provide a fantastic service to Cork City. And I'm a regular rail, train user myself, and I have used the parking facilities at Kent Station. And they are very good. But in situations... Where, where I've come across people who might have been incorrectly clamped or may have been rushing for a train and, and, and parked a car in what they thought might have been a car park spot didn't, and it ended up not being a spot because it's such a tight area to park in, you know, they get clamped. And what we want to see is not the removal of enforcement. We don't want to see the re- removal of pay parking. We just want to see a softening of the enforcement approach whereby they return to a kind of a ticketing operation, like a parking fine, and that gives the person a bit of time, maybe a few days, to pay that fine. But who chased the fine down then if they don't pay it? Well, I'm sure they'll have that'll be a cost that'll be incurred then to chase down the fine, but if you're taking away the cost of clamping in a clamping service, I don't know the the ins and outs and that, maybe it's comparable, maybe it's not. But I mean, from everyone who we speak to who who use the train services who have been clamped, it's such a an emotional issue uh, and it's something that I don't think I just just in our base instinct we just don't believe there should be clamping in Kent Station or in any station. But in Kent, in terms of that, it is leading the way of all the stations across since 2018. But would you be okay if the fine was 120 euro? Yeah, the fine is up to Irish Rail to make that decision. If the fine is 120 euro, you know you can talk about that. You would like to see maybe a fine uh, in line with uh, the fines that might be in, in City Council, like parking, 40 or something. Yeah. Maybe not, maybe not as low as 40, because obviously, as Barry said, it needs to be a deterrent. But in a cost of living crisis, having someone having to pony up 120 euro on the spot is something that we have an issue with. If someone has a fine and it's, it's handled up by an authority, you know, and they've gone through an appeal mechanism and they fail and they have to pay the fine, that, that's fair enough. Pay, pay the fine. But the issue is with, the, days, with, with clamping a car, not the fine, and not the, the fact and, that people should have paid it. on the spot. And the on-the-spot fine, the fact that you have to pay it then and there. Because you think people that's, that's mightn't have that 120. And if they don't have the 120, what happens? Somebody has to come and get them, is it? Well, I imagine, if, I imagine the car has remains clamped until that fine is paid. Um, and, and as a result, then you have people... I don't know if there's been situations where people haven't been able to pay the fine and then they have to walk home or they might have to go with the bus or something like that. What we would like to see, as you know, is more public transport options into Kent Station as well, especially from the south side of the city. There's no direct bus... That's right a story for another day, though, surely. Exactly, I mean, but we're, we're, if we're, we're reducing the amount, of, the amount of cars required to go into Kent Station, uh, that would reduce the number of uh, parking enforcement points. You will always have people drive into Kent and to train stations. to. to the the, the worry about stations. this is, though, if you get your way, that Irish Rail might decide, OK, if we do decide to do something like this, we're going to put up the cost or rate of parking to €25 Euro for 24 hours or €30 Euro for 24 hours. So you need to be careful about well, that. Well, that's a, matter, that's a matter for Irish Rail to... to, to to make that decision themselves. So let me put that point to Barry have, then, that in a cost of living crisis, of having to pony up 120 euros is a lot of money, Barry. But again, that is not a charge for a public service. That's a charge for 
not paying for a public service. You know, uh, and it hasn't increased, by the way. That's the same it's been for, for quite a number of years. Um, and, and, you know, we're regulated in this, the, by the way. The you know, National Transport Authority regulate, you know, parking regulation, regulate, regulate clamping. So it is kind of, you know, completely within uh, a public policy framework. But uh, ultimately, there would be significant additional costs for that type of kind of after the event, you know, chasing up penalties, chasing up fines. If like it was that, a fine, that, yeah. That, 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 yeah. That, that, that is but you're also there. running the risk there, of there. public safety where somebody who can't pay gets off the last train, doesn't have an a 20, 120 euro and is walking home in the dark across the city. Uh, look, as I say, it, it, it is a case that, that, that people know that there's a, there's a, there's a parking charge and, uh, and, and do need to uh, allow for that. If you're coming into Kent Station, there's people in Kent Station, you know, uh, around the clock, it's not a, uh, an empty... Uh, place uh, at all and I appreciate that people don't want that and don't like that you know, nobody likes being penalised for, for, for such things if you don't pay your fare in the train there's a penalty uh, that can apply to people don't like that but ultimately there, there is a consequence to, uh, to that and yeah, the cost okay. of everything goes up if some people don't pay for it. Interesting text here. I hope I can make sense of it. Ask how easy is it to get the parking ticket at the train station? I used to travel regularly to Dublin for work, so I knew about the app. But every morning I would meet people who were frantically looking for coins as the machine at that time would not take cards. Early morning trains, no place to get change. So you either miss your train or take the chance of not paying. This was in the car park directly outside the station. Uh, does that make sense to you? Is it? A, is it yeah, we, what we've actually done is we're, we're, we're moved, we've moved the, the paying for parking to the ticket vending machines. So it's uh, if, you, if you aren't using the app, so if you aren't using the credit card, then it is now you can pay for your parking at the ticket vending machines uh, in the station. Again, if you're travelling, you do need to allow time for the various activities Okay. Before travelling, and that 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 includes, you know, but, but the one thing about the app is, of course, that if you are running a little bit late and a little bit tight, park, sit in the train, and when you sit down, you can pay. You can pay. It's via the, the same app old story. You'd a lot of people who might be travelling. They could well be elderly. They don't have a smartphone and they don't have an app. So, well, again, the yeah, the, the vending machine uh, is there. I think you know. I, I think that issue is overstated. Uh, actually, I think, uh, and okay. I think that you know the overwhelming majority of people do have uh, uh, the means, either credit card or, or, or phone. But if they don't, the vending machines will accept the cash. Okay, so nothing to see here, Peter. It's not going to be changing. That's the policy. Uh, live with it. It would be good to see the cost differential between what's currently operated by the clamping service versus uh, a, a parking ticket enforcement policy or whatever that might be. Like Irish Rail do have uh, people who chase up. Uh, fines, fare evasion at the moment anyway, I wonder how much extra it would be to incorporate something like that uh, into it. I just feel it would be a, a softer enforcement policy and maybe that's acronistic in terms of like enforcement shouldn't be soft but I, I don't believe we should be clamping in Kenton. That, that's our party's view. Okay, thank you for that. Um, I'd like to talk to people who have been clamped and the reasons behind it. Just one very final question though Barry. Have you security on trains now? Uh, we have as was, we have staff, we have customer service staff on trains. We've always had the train hosts at the Cork Double Route. We have customer service officers on other routes. We have security that will cover some services. We have joint operations with the Gardaí as well uh, that will cover some services. Uh, also, back there, probably is going at a, at a record level. Uh, but with the customer service officers or train hosts, while well, their job is obviously about making sure you have a, a nice journey, if issues arise, 
that means there is somebody on the train that you can uh, advise of uh, an issue. But haven't I spotted people on the trains that do look like security and they wear the security? Yeah, we would have, yeah you would have to. And we'd have it, obviously, in, in, in some of our busier stations as well. We have, a, we have a contracted security company. Is that needed, you're saying, well. because of antisocial behaviour and, and people like misbehaving? Antisocial behaviour is a societal issue. And I think if you go into kind of you know, big shops and city centres, uh, you need, need security. And we're, we're certainly a, a, a big moving shop, uh, as, a, as it were, uh, in our own way. So it's important to have, I think, the balance between kind of customer service, have that available. What we also have established is, uh, along the route, uh, is a number of rapid response hubs with the Gardaí. So if our train host on the Cork to Dublin route, if an issue is uh, happening, they have a direct line into a Garda station at a number of locations like Curlis, like Port Leash, like, like, uh, uh, and others. Um, and that is working extremely well. In train stops, guards get on, is it? They're, they're there, they're meeting, because we, 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 obviously you want to resolve the issue not delay uh, the vast majority of customers who are just trying to go about their business uh, and that's been working very well. Uh, we tried it first in Dublin Cork route and we've expanded actually to, to lots of other routes. Okay, says a lot of society that you had to do that. Thank you Barry Kenny for taking the call as always. Barry Kenny PRO with uh, Irish Rail. Your thoughts, particularly if you've been clamped uh, and the reasons behind it is 120 euro to get that clamp off. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Can I stay with, uh, well, not necessarily clamping, but certainly parking fines? I saw an interesting post on uh, social media there over the last uh, 24 hours, and it's from Shandon Flowers, Stacey at Shandon Flowers, and it's a photograph of parking fines. She says, trying to run a business in Cork, six fines in two weeks. Well done at Cork City Council. This is so encouraging. Um, and Stacey joins me by phone. Six fines in a fortnight. Stacey, good morning. Hang on, let me just get my line sorted here and get you on the air. There you go. Stacey, is that six in, six in a fortnight? Is that out of the ordinary? No, not at all, Neil. That's just when I just hit a wall last week and just had enough. And so you hit a wall because there was many more before that? Oh, yeah, they have. Remember, between me and my staff, like there's, there's eight of us here in total and we spend our days running around like headless chickens trying to get to our car before the traffic warden does and... It actually takes over a day, to be honest with you. I, I spoke to another business on the street yesterday about the whole uh, scenario and the local salon down the road had 14 tickets. 14? Between, between her and her staff. How much is each um, fine? 40 euro ago. 40? Um, yeah, 40 euro ago. And like some of them are consecutive days. Like, the thing is, Neil... That's I, 560 I of, euro? Yeah, yeah. For know, two girls working in a hair salon? Well, no, there's not two in that. There's a good few girls down there as well, but between all her staff and between... Uh, we got... Six, well, I, they were personally six on me, but she has 14 between her staff, uh, Donna Below and Susan. Um, I think for us, to be honest with you, like, my, my whole thing, I think, for posting it was just to, I don't know, make them aware of how aggressive they've become. I mean, I'm up here 20 years. We've always had parking issues. Um, you know, it's just been a thing. Shannon Street's a busy place and, you know, you, you, you can't park illegally. That's okay. I understand that we're no different to anybody else and my staff can't pull up on the street and take up spaces all day. I think why I did it, I think it's come to a point where we're just looking for an alternative. I feel like Cork City Council owe it to local businesses uh, to, to, to help them a little bit, Neil. It's just gone so frustrating. Like, I was thinking about it yesterday. The south side of the city have a parking right. There is nothing like that on the north side of the city, and there's so many businesses up there. There'd be I some hell of a walk, walk, wouldn't it, from, say, Lapsky up to Shannon Street if you were on the parking ride? 
I know that's it. And then you see, like, I feel like a lot of my staff come, come from, you know, in from Blarney and in from, you know, that side of the city and some are from Douglas and, you know, we're all over the place. And I just felt if there was something on the city like a parking right that we could all avail of, we would 100% use it and be very happy to pay. Like some people that work here are in part-time, they're getting people to mind their kids. They're coming in for a few hours a day and they get a 40 euro ticket. It's, for me, it's just getting harder as an employee, an employer to run a business. What do you have to do? Is it go out and is it disc or what? Is disc parking? It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's disc parking, yeah. Or it's the app. We've, yeah, we use the app. We use both. But sometimes I can, sometimes if a customer comes in and I'm thinking, oh, I have to change my ticket, I have to change my ticket. And you're trying to serve somebody at the counter and you're trying to chat to them and, you know, you know, do, do your best. And then you can see behind them, like you might be getting a ticket or you know that up the hill. Oh, no. Gone up the hill and, have you seen you that, a ticket being put on the car or the van? Absolutely. I walked out the other day while they were putting a ticket and I said, please, I'm loading the car. I have a van and a car that we use both for business. And I said, I'm just putting, I'm just loading it in two minutes. Can you just give me, completely ignored it. Um, you know, that man has a job to do too and I completely understand But this that. would have been the work van where you're putting flowers in to be delivered. They want it would have been my own car, which I also use for delivery. So then it's loaded in the morning and that goes about its business. And then we have, we have to fly to the suppliers. We've last minute, you know, deliveries. We've got, you know, things that we need to do quicker and we can't get the van back. We say, we say, oh, Bishop's down. So we use the car for that. So I would have, you know, I would be in and out all day and not there all day long. I mean, none of my staff park all day long. We're, we're, we're scattered around the whole area, up to Cattle Market Street, Fair Street, up by the cathedral. But even the cathedral, like, I think as far as I know, it's €120 Euros to park in our local church car park for a month. Even if there was a concession, you know, from Cork City Council, if they chatted to the, you know, whoever runs the car park in the cathedral and said, look, for employees, if they had a concession, you know. That's 1300 a year. That's a lot of exactly, money. Exactly. That would just help us. We just want to be helped. We don't want to, we know we can't park illegally. That's fine. Would and it be cheaper to go to Park and Paul Street, for instance, for people I, working I'm not on Shannon sure. Street? I, yeah, well, I, some of the girls have looked at options like that, you know, and, um, I think sometimes for the part-timers it's just a lot full stop, you know. Um, like I know in Dublin I, I speak to flowers around the country when, you know, sending orders to each other and in Dublin it's become a huge thing that they have moved out of the city and they've moved out of the um, the outskirts of the city because of the same reasons. And to be honest with you, Neil, it would be very easy for me to pick the business up and move it to a warehouse out outside the outskirts because I'd have no parking issues. That's right. To be fair, 80% or 85, nearly 90% of my business is now online and over the phone. Yeah. We don't have a lot of footfalls. Sometimes I wonder, did I lose the footfall because of the parking problem? I've often had a customer come in, buy a bunch of flowers, go back out, ticket slapped on the car. They're not going to come back. They won't come back. No, they won't. You see, there should be a 15 to 20 minute grace anyway, shouldn't there? Yeah, there should. There's one... uh, just below the shop to the left of me, there was a 15-minute, um, if it's two cars, put in about four weeks ago, a 15-minute slot. But that's all they have. The rest of it is loading or pay parking. And as I say, we don't even mind paying, but it's just you don't get any leeway. You don't even get five minutes on the ticket. It's, but I find definitely they've, in the last, I think since about December... It's very aggressive, the, the, the ticketing process, really, really hard. They seem to have um, ramped it up in the new year then. It, it would strike, I mean, it's anti-business really, isn't it? If you, if, no if you have, to, if you have yeah, to pay, what, then, six fines in a fortnight? Absolutely. And then, you know, it's hilarious because when you download the app onto your phone and you top it up with whatever, 
20 quid, 50 quid every time you have to re-top it up, they charge you a euro to top it up from that's your own right. bank account. That's right. It's just... Oh, and do you think that's why businesses have left the city where most of their businesses online, they don't need that grief anymore? No, I don't, I don't need it. I mean, I don't need it. I don't want to lose people to parking fines. I don't want to lose customers to parking fines. But we don't want I, to lose businesses to Shandon Street either or other streets no, I, like it. I opened here for a reason. I love it here. I love the people. I love the place. I love every single thing about it. I just love it. And I, it would be the last thing that I would ever want to do. But if it comes to a point where I'm losing customers and I'm losing staff, then it just, I will be left with no alternative, you know? Well, you know that it is a money-making exercise for Cork City oh, Council. Sure. Yeah. 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 And again, like, like my point is just please help us. Just help us just, you know, park and ride, concession park, car park. I don't know. Come up with a scheme that people around the area rent their drives. We rent their drives. Like, you know, just there has to be an answer. It can't always just be ticket after ticket after ticket and yeah. not complaining about yeah. the tickets. It's you know, very frustrating. Cost. It has to end. Yeah. yeah just crazy. And I thought it was just us. And then when I posted, a lot of the local businesses contacted me and said, oh, my, we thought it was us. We thought it was us. It's happening to all of us. Yeah, not yeah. just me. I there mean, 14, 14 tickets in the salon below is just... Just, re- just remind us of that. A hair salon got 14 tickets in what period yeah. of time? I think in two weeks, Donna said yesterday, she has, uh, she's, I don't know, there's a few of them down there and 14 tickets in two weeks. And she she said that they know their car, you know, they would know her car and they, no, it doesn't matter. It's Nobody just, ever pops their head in the door and say, listen, um, I'll give you five or 10 minutes to sort this. Otherwise there's a fine. It, it, it used to be that way. They would go tap tap, you know. Listen, you know, and they go absolutely no problem, gone, and you'd be flying out the door. No, not anymore. Even that stops. That's a shame, oh, isn't yeah. it? No, it's a pity because I mean, you know, you just don't. It's just it's not encouraging to have a business here, and I find that you know downtown, like there's a lot of businesses have closed down there, and you know I'm hanging on here for dear life just to when it comes to this ticketing thing. I'm just done. I I I I'm not big into social media, but the other day I was just I have had enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I tag them they might even just look into it and think, right, we need to kind of But are you saying now, just very fine, are you saying that you could be one step closer to leaving the city centre and going to a suburb? It's a thought that has crossed my mind, Neil, more than once in the last month or two. And it was never a consideration before, and it would be a, a decision that I wouldn't want to make. And if I do, it will be I will be very reluctant to leave. But if I'm left with no choice, it's definitely something that I will 100% consider. And if that's happening with other businesses considering to do the same thing, then they're shooting themselves in their foot in, at City Hall. They're literally Absolutely. discouraging businesses. They're closing them. Moving them. And it's extremely hard to run a small business. I mean, you know what it's like. It's just tough. And it never gets easier. And the longer you're in it, the harder you have to work at it. And I do that. But you just don't need these extra things. You know, it's just, it's hard enough. And then you have, your staff are coming in with tickets. And to be fair, Neil, I feel a sense of responsibility to them. Like, I feel like they've come to work. You know, I'm lucky to have them. And then they're getting half their wages taken off by a ticket on a car. Yeah, okay. Very, very discouraging. do, do. Listen or check into this. Just help us in some way. Shape okay. Or form. Thanks as always. We know we can't park where we want. To. No, it's not a case of just abandoning yeah, your cars. I know that. Absolutely I know that. Not. It's just a bit of common sense and a bit of cop on, a bit of compassion. Absolutely. Thanks, Stacey. Appreciate the call. I hope we get Thank others from so it. That's Stacey in Shandon Flowers and a great supporter of this program all different times of the year. And hopefully, we'll do some business with her again for Mother's Day. You were recently in Derry. Uh, I was. Kev. Yeah. I was. They have a different north. parking system. Totally different. Um, and I had been to Derry a few times, but I'd never. 
never had to use the public car parks and we were staying overnight. So I was a bit kind of concerned about how would this all work out? Were there car parks that would be open overnight? All that kind of crack. Four of us in the car. So we pulled up to this car park uh, called William Street. Um, just an open car park, public run. Um, and they had those coins for the slots we had no sterling so I was thinking geez how am I going to do this and then I remembered um, in the north across the north they use a system called Just Park and this thing is absolutely brilliant so basically what it is it's an, it's an app on your phone again I know probably apps aren't for everybody oh, but let's but say a, they are What's but the they app? are so for anybody who can kind of feels comfortable or capable of doing it so there's an app um, where basically you put in the code of the car park that you're in and you just press a button and the button starts a timer and the timer ticks away on your phone you could be going into shops you could be doing whatever you want if you want to stay for three hours or four hours or five hours you don't have to worry about coming back and changing your ticket and putting extra money in the machine it's all just done the clock just ticks away on your phone and then when you come back to the car you just swipe uh, on the phone and it cuts off the timer and it automatically then that num- that money is paid by your card so it's all just right. brilliant and better so you don't yet, pay in advance you're not saying okay I have an hour I have paid for two hours you just pay for what you use you just pay for what you use exactly so you just turn off the timer when you're done and away you go and it's automatically hooked into your bank account and if you don't pay that have they, they've got your reg and they know you haven't paid yeah. and then the fine goes out well you see if you're if you're exactly they, and they, but you see it's already taken out of your bank account because you link a card with it when you make the booking or you can have a card saved oh, on your system oh yeah yeah so which yeah, is yeah, even yeah. better so you're in, that would encourage you to turn the timer off well yeah no exactly, I'm just talking yeah. about somebody trying you can't do a runner on that system no well, they'll have the they, they have parking wardens that go around anyway so they will like a traditional car park they will have wardens that are a little bit overdressed magic <laughs> over aggressive no, no overdressed overdressed they're totally completely you know they almost look like they're like uh, police officers you know okay, that kind yeah. of way because the, the park magic operates differently you yeah. prepay yeah, and the, the, I've used the Cork City one, and again, it's 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 fine if you uh, again you you can you can pay by the app, which is handy, especially if you left the car and you forgot to put a disc up, and you think oh, I better I better get this sorted. You can do it on the phone, but again, you're having to pay for two hours every time, no matter how long you want to be there for. You could be in town just to grab something very quickly, and you have to it's pay ingenious. for two hours. It's ingenious. You pay for fifteen minutes, or thirty five minutes, or an hour, and ten minutes, or yeah. whatever. You're just paying for what you're using. And more to the point, I think the better, even better about it is that if you're in town and you think oh actually I think I might get my hair done or I think I might do this you're not thinking oh, I have to get back to the car now I have to change the ticket or I have to put more money in the machine or I have to change that you just the clock is always ticking and also just to on, on that so I've used it in loads of places I've used it in Belfast as well before when I was up there but the tariffs up there like every single like some of them are 30p an hour some of them are 60 pence an hour and then you go over to Paul Street which is a, a kind of Cork City car park uh, €2.70 for the first hour €5.40 for two hours €8 for three hours and you're talking about 30 and 60 pence, pence in car an parks an hour yeah so for example um, the other thing that was brilliant was because we stayed Hot. overnight the car park finished at half six it, it automatically on my phone cut off at half six so I didn't have to swipe right and they, didn't charge me any overnight public, rate public car parks yeah. that you can just throw the car into and away you go like I, 60 for example, pence an hour for example so we arrived in Derry at 10 to 5 right we parked the car we went into the hotel and I turned on the timer completely forgot that I turned on the timer the timer turned itself off automatically at half six and I was charged 92 pence for what is essentially an hour and a half's parking 
That would be why is it so straight cheap? away. I t- I t- you'll have to ask the Derry City and Straban Council. You know, so Derry's about similar to Cork, and it's and even Belfast. Like Belfast is obviously the the main city. I, again, like I parked at uh, what a ten to twelve. This was uh, January twenty twenty two. I went up there, parked at ten to twelve, and got back into the car at ten past one. One pound ninety two. But that's brilliant. Like that's obviously it's encouraging people to come into town and to shop. But you can tell that to, to Q Park. It's a they're private car parks. Like it's what is it three twenty or something? Like three forty. But so an hour Paul, five minutes Paul is Street like, isn't like Paul Street. Paul Street and North Main Street aren't, and then neither is the car park over by City Hall because City Hall owns those. But they're full anyway, aren't they? And people are paying top dollar. They're they're filling them anyway. Why would they give them cheaper? Are they filling them? I assume well, they sure, are. Sure. Look, we we know that town is on its knees. We know that yeah. businesses are closed on North, on Patrick Street and maybe Paul uh, Street is never full I don't know but certainly well, I, well, I don't Grand think I've ever seen Paul Street ones. full like, full but the private ones are I mean the private ones I think are extortionate well they're coining the, it the, the Grand Parade one is particularly extortionate the cute bargain Grand Parade that is uh, for me I know it's that's a great capitalism, location that's capitalism man that's commercialism I know, that's but the I charge think, I think when you're talking about council and you're talking about a council a council should work for the benefit of the city so right? how much is it is an hour in Paul Street uh, Paul Street for example €2.70 for the first hour €5.40 for the second hour uh, €8 Euros for three hours and €11 Euros for four hours so €8 Euros for three hours in Paul Street yeah. and in Derry and in one Belfast fifty. One fifty. Oh, sure, man, I, I just could cry. And this sure. is the thing, like, I, I know, I understand that parking makes money for councils, but, like, particularly for on-street parking, if you had a system where people could, because what ends up happening is, you know, people end up leaving the car and then they chance it, and sometimes they get away with it, and sometimes they don't get away with it. Whereas if you just had it on an app, everybody would just pay it, because it's just easier to leave the car. We shouldn't have any run. sympathy for the chancellors, should we? No, but what I'm saying is, by having a system where it has to be two hours, and then every couple of minutes after that, you either take the chance of not doing it or doing it. If you have it on an app like the Just Park app, the clock is always ticking anyway, okay. and you're not going to turn it off 50 minutes beforehand to try and get away with it, because it's just not City worth it never put in that system that they have in Northern Ireland they'd make less money out of it I, well I, what, even, no, even I if it was they'd, the, they'd, they'd make more because if they did it would encourage more people to maybe so and it times. would encourage okay. people not to try and dodge it because it's ticking away if they did it every quarter okay. hour if they broke it down I think I think it would work okay because well you've I know got the conversation when I, going when I go into town there's only two car parks I'll park in there's one down um, it's 10 euros all day it's um, Patrick Ski it's down on Patrick mm, Street, yeah. and then the other one that is the cheapest in Cork is Kent Station. If I can find a spot there, I'll park and no, I'll pay the twenty-four no, you're hours. Taking, you're taking you're taking a spot for someone who's trying to get a train. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you're know, different. it is what it is. All right, man. Okay, let's get the conversation going. Get involved in that one. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. My apologies, Sandra. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106-Gorks-Red-FM. I'm happy to start this chat now. I might come back to it after 11 o'clock. Sandra Brett is uh, on the line from Mahan Tidy Towns. I mentioned this actually because Mahan got a right kick in the teeth there recently because Mahan is uh, languishing at the very bottom now as the only area in the whole of the country to be seriously littered. Sandra, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm good, but disappointing news for Mahan. Uh, you can't argue with the eyeball survey, and even city oh, centre is littered. So what are you going to yeah. do about it? Oh, what we're going to do about it is we're hoping, are we actually holding, um, an information 
uh, meeting at one o'clock in the community. So Just move around there, Sandra, because it's very difficult to hear you. You're not on a speakerphone or anything, no? Hello? Yeah, that's better. Okay, but what... Okay, so you're, okay I, I hear you saying on this Saturday you're having a, a get-together of the community, is it, to get people to try and cop the on? The wider community, yeah. Well, basically what we're trying to do is, you see, um, we walked around, myself and um, the local um, councillor who was appointed, really, um, as part of the... Um, trying to get us back together on track for a little bit of an initiative Yeah. to actually try and get... Um, Oh, I don't know, get out the people to tidy up the litter and the areas, that sort of way. Some of the areas absolutely fantastic. Uh, some of the areas pretty badly littered. Yeah, and it's the, so it's the bad areas that got you the mantle is the most littered place in the country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, if you walked around, like, we're privileged. I'm very, very privileged to live in an amazing place, like, where I live. I'm here 40 years. And the truth of the matter is, we're blessed. We have so much amenities. We have so many... Um, the opportunities that we never had when we came here, like we built it up from zero and now, yes, it is a kick in the teeth to guess the dirtiest place in the whole of Ireland. And you if know, people, sa- if the people sat up thing. in Mahan and realised that it's been deemed the dirtiest place in Ireland, there's 15,000 people in Mahan. I'm not sure, to tell you the truth. Some people are, some people aren't. The, those that do the littering and, couldn't give a damn anyway, so they couldn't. Well, that's the problem. They can't. So what we did was there. We I went to a meeting about four, about six weeks ago to the local JLO, not JLO, also liaison council and the community police um, meeting. And I met a, a great man there from city council, who's actually been appointed to you know down to man as a community warden. Which I have to say, I hate that word, warden. Uh-huh. Right. And um, but he's full of ideas, so much so that he actually has um, in- encouraged us, supported us to try and get ourselves together. So about eight or ten people got together. We set up an interim group. So basically, we ha- we have to do that if you want to get any results. But that basically. just means that you're going to end up going around picking up other people's litter. Well, unfortunately, there are people who will always be litterers. Okay. Yeah. But it's up to us to take pride in our community. Sounds as if the litter, a litter warden stationed on a Mahan would make a fortune if they could catch the people littering. <laughs> I'd say he would. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe one of them, the wardens that are in take a traffic warden. No but, no, but but seriously, like um, it, a lot of it is junk food, isn't it? It's cans and it's bottles and wrappers. And junk food. Um, an awful lot of it is junk food. An awful lot of it. I, I, I walk my dogs um, around the area every day, right? And like we have, in the whole area, we have four... Litter bins, right? So you like, luckily enough, like I, I pick up my after my dog, so I know where the bins are, so I can put them in. But like even that, you know, I see people picking up dog litter, and then you can go down the road and you can see the bags. Not, the yeah, well, dogs. this is actually happen? people's household refuse. The photographs that Ibal had, they actually had. There was a trolley load of domestic rubbish from somebody's house just abandoned on the side of the road fell over yeah. and was torn apart by dogs. This is somebody who Burned just the throws their own household litter on the side of the road in Mahan, near Assumption Road. Assumption Road. Oh, my apologies. No. This wouldn't actually be a Mahan picture, actually. This is a north side picture. But it's an example of what's going on, I suppose. Oh, it is. Like You, you will have people who totally and utterly disregard. It's a tiny minority. Is it kids? But you do have them. Oh, a combination of kids and, and, and lack and adults who just throw things when they eat, you know, you come out of the tipper and you throw things there. I think we just got the first litter bin in Avenue Duren, 
Now, Avenue Duren, until such time as that sorted out. Is that the area then? Avenue Duren is the most littered place Avenue in Ireland? Dur- Unfortunately, um, I don't really know exactly who or when this was taking place, right? right? I do know the top part of Avenue Duren, where the church is, where Nagel College is. You come down then, it's a real vista. You come down to the crossroads, and the crossroads on, it becomes like there's a lot of, lot of um, fast food shops there. It becomes just, you know, that. But then not only that, I've walked a ring and I see by bus stops there's an awful lot of litter, you know. And yeah, but if it takes us to do it. Avenue Duren would be where mind. a lot of the businesses are situated and people. There's no, I don't see a bin in sight, though. No, none, none. I think we just are getting our first one this week. No, you know, um, none. Absolutely none. <laughs> and it's impossible. Like, kids will come out of, and you're know, just like kids. I'm not talking about any kind of kid. I'm just saying, if you have uh, chips at lunch hour, where do you put your litter? You know, okay, theoretically, we're all supposed you to. You don't just home. throw it on the road, though. What, 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 what I are they, know what that. are they being taught? But, like? Well, I don't know. I think an awful lot of this is they just, it's just about a call a throwaway mentality. I you said you've been there 40 away. years and there was a time down there when you couldn't get a job if you had an address of Mahan. Is that right? That's right. But I'm only talking about my own experience now for my own children who are all well sorted, right? Yeah. My eldest is 50 and my youngest is 42. But like, yeah, there were times when they looked for jobs about well, 20 years ago, 25 years. You couldn't, the man had a very bad negative um, stereotype. You wouldn't make it I mean, to the interview the, stage? No. The address was enough not to get you. How we sorted out for my family, and I'll only tell Mike about my own family, is we used my sister's address in Turner's Cross. Which Isn't is that a respectful. shame you'd have to do that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But it was what it was, you know? Yeah, okay. Like okay. So Saturday, 4th of March, this coming Saturday, this Mahan coming Community Saturday, Centre. Who are you asking to one, go along between 1 and 4? Anybody who's interested in kind of having um, what I call some pride in their area. You know, it is amazing area. We have so many facilities. We're blessed with a great bus service. We've Black Rock Castle on one side, Mahon Point on the other a side. Beautiful walk. I wouldn't grip. A fantastic walk everywhere. The whole area. Black Rock is after turning out to be a gem. You know, everything. But you, you know? could start but, with litter bins, couldn't you? In people's defence, I'm not suggesting that it's okay well, to well, throw I, it on the ground because you don't have a bin. But I bins do. Help. Tot- I totally agree with you, but what I did, or what um, Arthur did, he's a gentleman concerned, he brought Ballyfee Hand Tidy Towns down to us, and they gave us amazing support, and they're only up and running in two years. You want and to get off say, the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the uh, eyeball, seriously absolutely. littered league. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. You know, okay. So I'd okay. appreciate if anybody that did want to come along, came along. It's not an awful lot of work, like if everybody works together. You know, people will give out and people will mourn. But I had a saying, uh, mourners don't do and doers don't. Oh, I know, but you don't want to be clean. You know, it's an awful shame that you have to clean up everybody else's litter, you know. That's what Well, I think it's a combination of, of education and action. And basically what I'm saying is that I'm in my 70s now. I have no problem going out helping um, and I, lots of other people, right. you know. Yeah. But we'll start small and hopefully by next year we'll be after moving up the ladder. Hopefully. And let's see if we can help you with that. Thanks for taking the call, Sandra. I Take really care, appreciate Sandra. the time. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, Sandra Brett, that's Saturday, this Saturday between 1 and 4 at the Mahan Community Centre to get them off and uh, lose the title of Mahan as the dirtiest place in Ireland.
back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is The Neil Frienderville Show. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. It's at this stage as well now that I'll be inviting you to text a business that you would like to nominate for our Brinks box. It might also get you on the air to win 300 euro cash yourself. It's day four of our cash giveaways in association with Brinks box. So I will give out, uh, I've got a four digit code in front of me. I'll give out the first three digits and then you get on the air and you have three guesses to guess the fourth and final code, right? If you get it wrong, you're going to hear this. You got a second guess and a third guess. And if you get it right in the three guesses, I'll give you 300 cash. If you don't, I'll move on to the next caller. Here's some shout outs of people that didn't actually get on the air yesterday, but did actually nominate businesses. Jackie O'Brien's Bar in Mitchellstown, Lollipop Kids in Middleton, ABC Taxis, Morning Frank, uh, Centra on the South Douglas Road. Morning to, to David there. Pat McDonald's Paints on Bachelors Key are listening. Caremark, a home care company dedicated to keeping the aged and vulnerable in their homes. Actually, has a great story, actually, the work that they do at, at Caremark. I might come back to that. Uh, JD's Pro Valet. They do an amazing job and uh, they're at uh, on the north side. Uh, Anthony at Barter's Travel in Douglas nominated Barter's. The Riverley Hotel were nominated. Um, Ashley Louise Hare in Crosshaven was nominated. O'Brien's Flooring in Balafihan. Uh, Fairfield Stores listen all of the time. Cozy Cafe in Kinsale. Morning Colette. May Fitz's in Lasarda. I love the food in May Fitz's. A great lunch there. G&D Garage and Tire Centre in Dunmanway and Pampered Paws in Middleton. They all nominated yesterday and we'll have a chance of getting on today and so will you if you nominate a business text 0868104106 you'll get the cash 300 euro if you win and the business you nominate could well get the Brinks box on tomorrow morning's programme so I will come back to that for all of the bit can I just go back to parking costs actually the incredible story that Kevin was telling about the cost of parking in the likes of Derry Dungannon or indeed Belfast and places like that. In Cork, as Joe Biden would say, here's the deal, right? Here's the deal. 270 an hour for a public car park in Cork. 340 an hour or any part of an hour. Go into the second hour, it's 340 an hour even for the second hour. That would be the queue parking. So let's get some examples of others though. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Morning, down east along. Dungarvan, for instance. Go ahead. Twelve euro for a full week's parking in the John Garvin shopping centre. You know where Dunn's is underneath in the basement. Take your word um, for it. Yeah. If you do shopping in Dunn's, then you get your car park stamped, so you don't pay anything if you Who shop in Dunn's. Who owns that car park? I don't know. I don't know because I live in Yall now, but I just go in for my shopping one day a week, so um, I don't know. But like, it's probably the. The town council maybe well, down there. I'm just wondering know. if it's adjacent to a shopping centre. Is it the shopping centre owns it? But that that works out at about like a euro fifty or something a day. Yeah, well, I don't think Dunn's owned it now. To be fair, because like if you do your shopping there, you would have to pay normally, but Dunn's subsidise it. Okay. So I don't think they actually own it. It could well just, be uh, a town council or a county council. And do people yeah. use it all of the time and just park up there and go to work? They have 600 well, spaces there, incidentally. Yeah, well, I'd be honest. So, like, when I go down shopping, they, I often have to park on the second floor, you know? So, How um, do they make money out of it, though? I don't know. I don't know really now, and I don't know if, it, if it's all ever 
full. I don't know that. Twelve either. euro for a full week of parking. And why were you spending a hundred euro a week on parking? Where was that? Well, I was working in town at the time and um, I used to use the Paul Street Car Park Shopping Centre. Now that was 2000, up to 2008. And um, for a week's parking, you know, it was 100 euro. Was there any rate available for somebody parking? No. no. So you no were spending um, f- nearly five grand a year? Yeah. Yeah, but I used to park there. It was only kind of the last year that I was working in town, really, that I parked there because I, I had health reasons and I wasn't great. Oh, so. I know, but at the same time, though, it gives you an example of what somebody would be paying every single day, five days a week. It would be north of 100 a week. Yeah, yeah. At, at 270 an hour, mother of God. When you look at the rate now for 12 euros a week down in down Darwin, it's and that's incredible. not even staff, you know? That's not even for staff. That's just for anybody that wants to park there. Anyone can park there all day, five days a week, seven days a week for 12 euro the week. All right. Thank you for that. Depressing to hear it, but good luck to them down east. John, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so we Um, go west along. We go to Killarney. Three euro a day. Where, though? It's uh, not far from the towers. About three minutes walk. Public parking. Public parking. So if yes. you had a flower shop in Killarney, like a flower shop on Shandon Street, you would park all day long, go to work for three euro. That's it. And it would cost no, you also, 30 in also, if you were doing the same on Shandon Street. Easily. Yeah. Also, my friend drove from Tralee, didn't see any parking where he could uh, put money in, and he got a 40 euro fine. Where? In Killarney, in the, the same place. But Why? he never got a ticket. You use a kind yeah. of a, it's a slot, is it? And you get a ticket and you put it's it up slot, on the dash. That's right. Oh, yeah. well, like if he, if he didn't put up the ticket, that's his fault. Yeah, well, it is his fault. But he went down to the county hall and uh, it cost him 40 euro. So she said that if you go to Killarney for a week, you can go to the county hall and get a ticket for 8 euro for the week. You see, aren't they very, they just really have their act together in Killarney in every way. You, you make a very valid point. You say Killarney is a place where they could really get away with robbing people and milking them, but they don't. That's right. And there was there was a good crowd around, you know. The car park was pretty full. Yeah. But you, you, will, you will get a parking there. And they wonder why people don't want to come into Cork City and uh, use a car park or do a bit of shopping. That's, that's the cool. cost involved. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my opinion. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Actually, Reddit had a very good post up there recently. I was reading it at the weekend. The question was, what's the best area to live in Cork? There were some very interesting answers to it. I won't read them all out because there were loads and loads. I just highlighted a few. And these would be people all over Ireland. Indeed, some of them would have been in Cork answering the question, where's the best place to live in Cork? The north side, this is a good one, I have to say. I hope you laugh at this. The north side can be nice too, depending on where. For example, Knocknahini is a lovely little residential suburb with a beautiful view overlooking the city. All going well. Exquisite wildlife with plenty of cats and dogs for your little ones to play with, as well as being the home to the most horses in the entire north side. A key selling point for all you equine enthusiasts. Housing is also very affordable and the local council, uh, sorry, the local culture is incredibly inclusive. Even the friendly neighbourhood businessmen are always keen to know what the F you're looking at. (laughs) I mean, I hope you're amused at that. 
<laughs> I can claim a bit of a nori background, so I found it funny. Model Farm Road, Glasheen, St. Luke's, Bannonlock, Beaumont and Blackrock. They would be my list. Plenty of other nice areas. In fact, there aren't many bad areas in Cork, really, says another person. Third says, if you want wa- if you want walking distance, Balafihan, Toker, Turnus Cross. Lots of these places feel like they're way further out than they actually are. So you get that positive vibe of being close to the city without the bad elements. They're saying lovely things about us. Some of the nicest parts of the city are on the inner north side. Sunday's well, Montanati. But they're very expensive. They're also quite pleasant areas around Mayfield and Ballyvalan, Silver Springs and so on. They're all perfectly nice to live in. There's also plenty of not so desirable areas on the south side which they conveniently forget about when they slag off the north side in Cork. <laughs> I think these are great. Another one here. The Albert, the area down around Albert Road, known as Jewtown, would fit the bill nicely for you. It is a beautiful part of the city and it must be gorgeous to live there. Um, another one. Frankfield, outdoor space, very close to Douglas and Cork Airport. The 206 into town comes every 15 minutes. It has a gym I'm assuming they're saying that the 206 hasn't got a gym. There's a gym, a driving range, a super value, bars, restaurants, bookies, pharmacy, dry cleaners, hairdressers and sunbeds. But I think they might have got rid of them recently. The only problem is in Cork, the traffic is diabolical. You could say that about everywhere, but Cork is diabolical. Um, One or two more that I saw. A good amount of parking in the houses around there for most part, but street parking could be a pain in the ass. This is for people who are recommending areas around the lock. Not the easiest place to park. Look at Ballon Temple. Not cheap, but perfect. Walk the marina and lock down to Loch Mahan. The walk into the city is 20 minutes. Or you can take the very frequent buses. <laughs> the very frequent buses. Enjoy the new park beside the GAA Stadium. Ballon Temple has pubs local shops, pharmacies, primary schools, very peaceful area, the top neighbourhood in Cork. I wasn't raised there, but I moved there 20 years ago and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. <laughs> and then there's a funny, there's a funny little um, sub talk going on there about Belgooley, right? It says, Belgooley, great facilities, lovely peak people. And some other character comes back and says, yeah, and only a three hour walk to the airport. <laughs> Another person says, walking distance of the city centre or has good public transport. Poor old Belgooley has neither. <laughs> and a final one. Apart from the rising youth crime and lack of Garda presence, Carrigaline is a lovely little town on the outskirts of Cork. Just one safe bus journey away from the city. That's just a few of them. That's how other people perceive us, lads. Anyway, text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Deborah, good morning. Good morning, how we are were, you? We were looking at something there recently of at, with regards to the distance that people will go to to track down their favourite food and there's a girl who takes two trains to go from Cork to Limerick to get a slice of cake, right? I'll talk to her in a minute. But, but tell me about your own story, will you? <laughs> well, my husband's a bus driver and we live in Ballybunion in Kerry. <laughs> Uh, I'm originally a Cork, well, I'm still a Cork woman, you'll never get that out of me. But, yeah, he drives to Cork regularly, and on his break, he would order a Luciano's pizza for me, and bring it back on the bus. (laughs) And this is twice a week, yeah, and the smell of it, it drives all the passengers nuts on the bus. (laughs) What? Luciano's in Glanmire? No, they have the other one now in Dylan's Cross. 
Yeah. You're I'm joking me. You mean there's other Tianos in the city? There is, yeah, yeah. He used to it be on McCartan Street, and I loved it. I loved it myself. Yeah. What number do you get? What number do you get? What number? Well, you see, they make it for me because I'm vegetarian, so it's just peppers, mushrooms, and onions. And um, so they know now when my husband rings. They say, oh, hi, yeah, yeah, the usual, yeah, bus station, perfect. And they're there in 10 minutes. <laughs> they deliver to the bus station and he drives they, it back to you in Ballybunion. Uh, uh, he does, yeah. Isn't he very good now? Yeah. And have you a bit of a ritual when the when the pizza arrives to Ballybunion? Oh, I do. Oh, geez. When he comes in the door, he, he's there with a big smile. And I just take the box and I have to open the lid and just sniff it for about five minutes. <laughs> do you bung it in yeah. the oven for a bit then? I do, I do. I'll take half of it because I'll keep half then for the next day. Stretch it out a bit. And um, When did you emigrate? Yeah, when, did, when did you emigrate? <laughs> <laughs> About eight years ago, yeah. Yeah, but you can't get the cork out of me, no. <laughs> if they know decent pizza in Ballybunia, they got a lot of fast food joints down there, that's for sure. Oh, they do. Well, there's a place in Ballybunia in Mario's and yeah, they do nice pizza, but it, it's nothing near Luciano's, no nothing like it and I've asked Luciano's to open a place down here I said I'd run it myself if I had to <laughs> I remember, yeah. I remember the Luciano's the on, on McCartan Street it's probably what got me up to 94 kilos was it the number 5 is it a Capricciosa is it Capricciosa it is it would be yeah, that the yeah. One. That's, but that's got ham on it you'd never eat that like oh god no 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 has to be just the veggies yeah and when did you when did you see the light and give up meat pizza Uh well, I never had meat, no. I, I just never eat it anyway. So, but you never even taste cheese. it? Well, I did when I was a kid and I just didn't like it, no. No. Too fond when of I animals, out, is it? <laughs> when I found out where it came from and uh, my granny's pig was missing and, of course, there was the pig's head on the table. Oh, that was the end of it for you. Do you miss that anything? Like, you didn't, like the smell of frying bacon or anything or a roast oh, chicken? Well, I do love the smell of bacon. I do. Well, you know, smoked rashers now or something like that. Yeah. You're not getting a fake meat pizza with fake meat on it, like fake bacon mm, and fake No, no, no. It has to be exactly the way I want it, which is what they do. How many yeah. of the Luciano pizzas get delivered to uh, Ballybunion? Well, two a week. Ah, <laughs> two a week. Yeah, and if my son is in Cork then, which he would go down once a week as well, he'd probably bring one back as well. Yeah. Three, so he's also, be, yeah, he's addicted as well. <laughs> you've got a Luciano pizza problem, you know. Oh, we have. We have serious one here. Who? Yeah. Large yeah, ones, like. Yeah. Large ones? Well, my husband would get the, the 12 inch, and sometimes we get the big luch. It's <laughs> a huge one. <laughs> but we say, hold all the chips and coke and stuff that comes I with it. it. We just want the pizza. <laughs> I want one. I haven't had a Luciano pizza since they left McCurtain Street. Oh, God, you're missing it, honestly. You have to. Although the guy that honestly. moved in, when Luciano moved out, a really good guy moved in there, and he followed it to the letter, to the T, and it was hardly any difference and he did it for years there um, I, don't right. know, I can't remember what it was called it was only Papa Garibaldi 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 oh yeah Garibaldi yeah, no, it wasn't right. Garibaldi yeah. it was Papa someone or other but they did right. fine pizzas there I don't know if they're still there though but Luciano had the magic hasn't he? <clears throat> he's got the magic hasn't he it's the cheese he uses four cheeses and one of them it's very hard to get um, is that the secret Pecorino yeah, pecorino cheese. Yeah, that's the secret. Um, anyway, big shout out, secret. big shout out to Luciano and. Uh, I'm telling you, I want free pizza now for this one. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that they should send you a free box of pizza. I when's the next? Should, when yeah. is the next one heading down to Ballybunion? 
I will, I will, I will do that. Make sure you send me a picture, I'll share it on social, all right? I will, of course, no problem at all. Thanks for listening, okay. Deborah. Good luck. Okay, thank you too. Arrivederci, arrivederci. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. You always have a good laugh with Luciano as well. A great character. I wish him well. Big shout out to the great man. You know, talking about customer service, uh, more text on that. I think it must be really difficult to deal with the public when working in retail. It's not an easy job by any means. Most shop assistants are nice in my experience. Of course, there's always the odd one who might be having a bad day. But couldn't you say the same about customers that they meet as well? This is all following up on Vincent saying that... um, you know, customer interaction is a thing of the past on Leaside Retail. Couldn't disagree with Vincent Moore. I'm working in customer service myself. I've seen my co-workers verbally abused and taken for granted regularly. I have lots of lovely customers personally, but I have had several beauties, especially during the pandemic, where people seem to lose the run of themselves and completely think that they could do anything they want and show nothing but disdain and disrespect for us. Treat people how you'd like to be treated yourself and don't be surprised when you get what you give. Another one or two. I don't think what Vincent is saying is right. I think the opposite, actually. Retail staff in Cork are always so nice, friendly and chatty. It all depends on the customer every time. If you're pleasant and chatty, staff will usually respond in the same manner. Well, says somebody, it could be to do with minimum wage, minimum effort. If they were earning a livable wage, I'm sure things would be different. Good point. Customer service is hit and miss, I think, but those who are good can sometimes be curtailed by their bosses. I know of a shop where the staff are absolutely fabulous, but they're told by the bosses, don't spend any time talking. It reduces our percentages on the tills. Keep moving. Keep the tills going. That's the job. One or two more. When I was on checkouts, I, when I was on checkouts, I used to be given out to for talking too much to the customers. Another one here. I used to love helping elderly ladies bringing spuds out to the car or help them getting into their cars. You don't see that anymore. Um, one other two. Uh, maybe it's because the workers are stressed about bills and college fees and the hole in the ceiling of their shared two-bedroom, one-bath shed in the back garden. They have other things on their mind. Listen, Neil, I have to tell you, staff are there to do a job, not to be your friend. Uh, They are not shop tour guides. Uh, Somebody else suggests that all elderly people should be banned from self-service checkouts. Isn't that so kind, huh? Isn't that so kind? I'll come back to some more of those throughout the course of the morning. But anyway, Deborah and her Luciano pizza once or twice a week delivered from Cork down to Ballybunion. The reason this came to my attention was I saw a very funny TikTok video actually from Jade Foley. Now, th- this is actually just a little snippet. <laughs> She's the cake lady, right? Have a listen to this. Did I get two trains from Cork to Limerick just to buy a cake, you may ask? <laughs> yes! Yes, I did. And I'm committed to that cake. Unlike you, um, maybe go take a page out of my book, maybe? Because your commitment issues could never. <laughs> I, for this cake, I will literally do long distance. I've been doing it for a year. I will continue to keep doing it because I am obsessed with this cake. I've cried over this cake. That's, that's actually not a joke, lads. <laughs> Me and my friend have cried over this cake and it's, it, it might be considered or classified as sad, but in my eyes, it's an act of passion for God in a square, as I would like to describe her, because she is what raised my kids to be the people that they are today. She is what paid my mortgage to live in the house I live in today. I might have a problem. You might have a problem. Jade, do you have a problem for red velvet cake? 
Oh, I absolutely do, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Th- that's just the audio. There's a great video going with that, of course. You on the train, going on the train, going into the shop, getting the... the it's not actually a slice. It's a wedge of cake, right? Oh, no, they give you they give you your money's worth. Like, it's 350 I'm just like, are you sure? <laughs> is, that all, is that all that is, that big wedge? It's only 350 boy, I swear. <laughs> it's only 350 How much does the journey cost? Um, do you see I have the young adult card so it's only eleven fifty up and back for me uh, so it's a 15 euro slab of cake then really when you take in the cost of the how often do you go to Limerick you see at this point now it's becoming like once a month really <laughs> since like last summer you'll be you know worse what? you could be doing what Tebra is doing getting Luciano's three times a week to Bal- to Balafi or to Ballybunion so I know it's like it's a monthly ritual you know self care at this point that's what it is <laughs> But what? you know what I try to do this time is I try to go up and buy because I was like, here, can I have eight slices? Because they said if you buy over three, you get it like a reduced to two fifty. I go, can I have eight slices? They're like, you can just buy the box. I was like, I'll buy the box though. So. so if you just bring it back, it back, then you won't have to travel as much. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't be as fresh, no? No, but I was going to bring it back and freeze it, but it didn't last that long. <laughs> but surely there's days. there's got to be red velvet in Cork that's just as good. Do you know what? There was a place called um, Cupcake Cottage, and they closed down. Um, recently oh. and I was crying I was actually crying because I was like you're the only place you're the only one I can't and then I found um, the place in Limerick and I was like ah mopso <laughs> but who tra- somebody travels with you because I see two of you with two forks digging into it no no my friend lives there she's the one that introduced me and I've been going up and back since she thinks that comes up for her but I really just <laughs> the place and she said it's okay. She she accepts it as well. Like she goes, I actually can't blame you. I, go, I know it's that good. Do they know in the cafe that you're doing this trip? Um, they know who I am from TikTok, but like, I don't think they understand how much I actually come up there. <laughs> 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 so go on to describe it I mean like well, there's got to be cake just as good as it why is it exclusively the best worth travelling to Limerick for because you see right you know cake you know the way that they're spongy and sometimes they can be a bit they can be a bit um, solid yeah a bit gloopy like a bit kind of stodgy a bit yeah, yeah, dry it's not as yeah a bit dry do you know what I mean this one I swear to God you can't even you can barely take out the slice because it falls apart because it's just so soft it's just so it's like a brownie almost but it's just so good and then the cream cheese type <laughs> filling is just please don't make me want to go back to them because <laughs> when, when, are you, when are you due for the next one? <laughs> Um, I suppose not. The cake is gone. I'm looking early tomorrow. Oh, I'm probably oh, oh. next month. Next month, March. So you go eat the cake, catch up with your mate, and get the next train back. Is it? Yeah, I actually went up for like two hours the last day, and she's like, "It's a bit short." It goes well for the cake. It's actually too much. <laughs> I'm only here for the cake. Morning. I'm not actually here for you at all. <laughs> oh yeah, stop! Like she's just there for convenience. Like the cake is the real main show. <laughs> are you lighting it up on TikTok at Makeup by Jade? Are you? Yeah. That Tick- is me. Yeah, TikTok's where it's at now, right? It is. It's actually like, it's even a place for business because believe it or not, that place, Gusto d'Italia, they have like three viral TikToks. I'm actually the only, I'm one of the two people that they follow, so that's a little, You're a little viral TikTok. TikTok. What's that now? A viral TikTok is where it just um, goes to thousands and millions of people Um I recently had a video of mine go viral and it's so stupid. Basically, I got this massage gun and I was being a girl. I had it in my hand and I was just like, oh, this feels class. And I started laughing and then it just stopped working the first time I ever tried it. I just looked at the gun, looked back at my hand 
And I started laughing and he goes, of course it's me. And then I went viral because people thought it was for something else. So I was like, no. <laughs> I can well imagine. I've seen one of those. Yeah, it could be misinterpreted. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I was like, nah, lads, this is very innocent. I'm just genuinely that easy. So, do you have a lot of followers then? Yeah, I have almost 80,000 now. And growing all of the time. And why do you do it? Yeah. I mean, is there mo- we were talking about influencers earlier on this morning, but is there money in it? Yes, there is. Now, I'd be, because um, with TikTok, we're actually told we're meant to be classified as content creators, not influencers. Okay, so um, as a content creator, could you make a career out of it, a living out of it? Yes, you absolutely can. Um, now, the only thing about it is it's very hard to make it sustainable if you're not doing this full time because of the fact that payments can usually... You can usually wait... Um, lads, if you're ever complaining about page, like wage and stuff, for influencers, you get paid every like two to three months. So, And you have to make that work to your next campaign. So that's usually um, when we get expected to pay. Yeah. For some people, they do get it every often because they do so many so there is you are paid for endorsements and for sharing but you know when something goes viral like a funny video for instance is there money to be made out of that actually I got a text not too long ago with someone trying to license my video but I got no money for it they just get the license and I was just like er no what (laughs) you're not going to profit off my video because I know that um, say for instance YouTube people who have big videos on YouTube YouTube if you do well on YouTube, you're actually set for life because now there's a section called YouTube Shorts, which is essentially just TikToks put into YouTube form and they get so many views. Like if there's anyone that I know that does TikTok, I'd always encourage them to post it. Like even anyone can do it. Just re just repost your um TikTok to YouTube if you can without a right. watermark. Yeah. But I'm just you. thinking for people listening at home that might have a son or a daughter looking for and they might be creative, you know what I'm saying? And they might be looking for career choice. Would many of them be saying to Mam and Daddy, I want to be a TikTok content creator? What do you mean with that? No, I mean it's a it's a career choice, isn't it? It it literally is, yeah. It's um, it's funny because some people are like getting to celebrity status now because of it. It's amazing, isn't it? The way the world is changing. Good for you though. But as you say, it is hard work. You're full time at it to make to make a return. You've got to give it all of its attention. Yeah, a lot of it is you're probably losing more than you gain sometimes. But that's what you have to do if you love it and. You know, I didn't really start it for money. I kind of started it as a place to actually do makeup and like have a reason to do it because obviously we're in lockdown yeah. and there was no purpose for you to put on a slab of makeup, really, was there? <laughs> so I was just like, how about I just take everything I know and double it in intensity and make an entertaining video of it because I can't actually do it. Well <laughs> so, done, well done. Well yeah. done. Well, whatever's coming next, good luck with it. But certainly the Thank journey God. to Limerick for the Red Velvet ain't changing anytime soon. However, no. I might have a tip for you. I want you to try this out. Super Value in Grange do a lovely Red Velvet cupcake. Kate, my missus, absolutely loves Red Velvet cake and she highly recommends Jade to try it. How about that? Where about is this? It's Super Value in Grange, one of the most incredible supermarkets I've ever been in, incidentally. It's just great. Big fresh section. Ah. Go try the red velvet cupcake there. Let me know how you get on with it. I will, of course. Thank you very much. Lovely talking to you, Jade Foley. Mind yourself. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Okay, this kind of thing would be much more suited to a Friday, actually, because we're having a good laugh this morning, particularly with regards to people who travel for stuff that they absolutely love to consume. Pizza from Luciano's going all the way to Limerick. Sorry, my apologies, Ballybunion. Jade going all the way to Limerick for a slice of uh, red velvet cake. And O'Reilly's Fish and Chip Shop. 
recently were voted Best Chipper in Ireland. Big awards right up there. It was the Just Eat Awards. So a Cork Chipper wins Best Chipper in Ireland. And funnily enough, they also have long-distance customers. The Chipper's down in Glanmire and... (laughs) They have people travelling from Formoy, apparently. Let's find out what the secret is. Uh, and on the phone lines, we've got the owner, Colin O'Reilly himself. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? First of all, congratulations. Secondly, what's the secret? What sets you apart from all of the other chippers in Ireland? Um, I don't know, Neil. We, we, we just do, we do it well. What, what we do, I think we do it well. And the staff, the staff have been brilliant since we opened and to keep the, the show on the road. How long are you there? We're absolutely delighted. Five years, Neil. Five years. But is it is it the is it the oil that you or the fat that you cook the chips in? Is it the batter on the fish? Is it the caliber of the burger? What? Well, we use rapeseed oil for for all our cooking. Um, look, we we use very good Irish uh, produce, and I suppose we put our heart and soul into it, Neil. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. So fish and chips, uh, obviously cooked fresh, fish from Union Hall, burgers 100% uh, Irish. Um, you, you, you also do a, um, a burger with clonakilty black pudding, lettuce, onions, ketchup, mayo and Irish cheddar. We do, Neil. It's very popular, yeah. It's What's that Park one called? Burger. It's the West Cork Riley Burger. It's, it's very popular and <clears throat> it is a very, very good burger, yeah. That must be a massive burger, though. It is it is quite big because it's a six ounce burger and you have a, a, five, a fine slice of uh, clinical tea back pudding on top, so um, you'll be you, you good and full after. It, how do they sure. so? How do they judge the best chipper? Do they do kind of like secret visits or what? No, this was voted by the public. So um, I think there was there was thirty thirty five thousand votes in, in total, something like that. So there was hundreds of chippers in for it. So we're absolutely thrilled. And who are absolutely the heads that come thrilled. all the way from from Oi and Rathcormark? Just to get to your um, chipper, we have regular customers. Actually, they come, and we have people who come from Middleton. We have people who come from from all over. Really, to be fair, it says here best chipper in Ireland because you serve the best chips in town, freshly cooked with the perfect amount of salt and vinegar to hit the spot. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good anyway, Neil. And is that <laughs> your back? Is that your background, or is it something you got into only six years ago? Um, yeah, so we got into it about six years ago and we opened Glenmire five years ago. We have a couple other shops around and I suppose what we are hoping to do is, is expand up the country. We we actually have two franchises up the country. We have one in Kilkenny and we won one in Offaly. So it's something that we're hoping to do and, and, and grow slowly. Yeah, no, I mean, and you and you, listen, you stick to what you're good at. You got the burgers, something like five different burgers there. You got the fish and chips and then you do pizza as well. Yeah, we do. We look, we have an extensive menu, and, and, and that's why I'd like to thank the staff in Glenmire because <clears throat> it isn't easy work. You know, it, it is tough work, and they kept the, the whole thing going during COVID, and, and now we're out of it, but we're, we're quite busy. So I'd like to thank them for, for, Fair for this award. Yeah. You know? I think it's a fabulous award. And I, I won't blind you with questions, I promise, but what kind of potato do you use? Um, we use Irish potatoes. But is there a we particular growth, a particular type of potato? It will depend on on, on, the, on the on the part of the season, to be honest. So you me. vary according to season. We do. We fantastic, do. fantastic. So were you up in the mansion house for the award? Was it a good night? It was a good old night, yeah. Look, we had a couple of points afterwards and uh, we were all very happy. Way to go. Well, we're delighted that the award is on Lee's side because you were up against 450 other chippers in Ireland. You must have very loyal customers, Colm, that's for sure. 
No, we do. We do. And it's, you know, they obviously all voted for us and, and we're absolutely thrilled. Fair play to you, Bobby. Keep absolutely. doing what you're doing, all right? Keep, keep going with the fish suppers and the mushy peas and all that goes with it, all right? Great stuff. Thanks a million. Delighted. Well done. Great result on Lee side. O'Reilly's fish and chips, not just fish and chips, burgers as well, and also pizzas and chicken goujons and onion rings and all sorts of lovely stuff. Stuff and people travelling all over. They're down in Glamour. Back after the break. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. You look at the fifteen hundred uh, debt write-offs, massive debt write-offs by the banks, right? AIB in the front of the papers this morning. DJ Carey wasn't the only one. There's hundreds and hundreds, 15, 1,600 of them in total. There's nothing to see here, the banks would say. You can't get blood from a, stern, from a stone. Mind you, somebody says the banks should be upfront as to how many distressed mortgage holders they have. This is interesting. They write off massive amounts. The more you owe, of course, the bigger problem for the bank, yeah? But if you have an issue with your mortgage, of course, they'll come after you. Uh, but the texter says, why do they sell houses with families in them? Um, I thought that the bank bailout would have helped most people to retain their home, but instead... The properties were just sold by the banks to vulture funds and those same borrowers and more are now being revisited with outrageous mortgage rate increases. I suppose, Neil, we won't really ever know. Well, at the end of the day, they are profit-making machines, don't you know? Thank you for the text and the lovely photograph from somebody said to me, five years ago today, we were all making snowmen, probably now known as snow people, I suppose. But I have a photograph of a glory, glory Man United snowman that existed five years ago today with a Man United scarf, scarf on him. Happy days. You speak of influencers. Influencers have so many followers because they block anyone who questions them, but they never lose followers. Even the ones that get blocked aren't dropped as followers. Had a bit of a laugh earlier on regarding uh, not so much electric cars, but it was to do with self-drive cars. Technology will exist that if you don't keep up the payments on your self-drive car, it will drive itself back uh, without your permission. It will drive itself back to the car dealer. If you don't keep up the payments, the car will slow down and follow people with the window down just to freak them out and and get you into trouble. No, that is a serious thing when it's happening. Don't get me wrong. But the car intentionally getting you caught for a criminal act, that's another one. Morning, guys. Make sure you pay your bill for your electric car or it will reset the radio from Red FM to 96 FM. (laughs) Ejector seat is deployed at 60 miles an hour. You're ejected through the sunroof while the car goes back to the showroom. I love it. I heard that the manufacturers of self-drive cars have devised a plan to make no paying customer bring the car back. The radio will have Neil Prendival on constant loop. (laughs) Severe punishment, I must say. You don't make up your repay, keep up your repayments on your self-drive car. It'll get stuck on my voice 24-7. Thank you for those. Keep them coming. Um, and lots of other texts on different topics, including customer service. If I was going to a shop, it's something. It's to buy something, not to talk about the recent weather. Oh, there's a Victor Meldrum. I don't want to talk to you. Just serve me and let me go home. Customer service, retail, hospitality. Remember, all the staff are on minimum wage. You're treated like crap a lot of the time. What's there to be happy about? Genuinely, these people are probably living, working in retail on hand to mouth. It can be incredibly hard to force the smile and happiness when life is just so tough these days. Yeah, we're getting an interesting look at the life of people in retail, aren't we? Uh, The generation of youth now have zero personality. Thankfully, in my business, we have a fantastic relationship with our customers. 
it makes our days much more enjoyable. I suppose the day goes faster if you're happier. Or sorry, not necessarily happier, but interacting with customers. I also believe customer service is gone. It feels like you're putting people out now. I've worked with the public for years and would not get away with the way it is now. Um, I do, however, find customer service in Lidl tops. And then... Lots of people actually mentioning places where um, customer service is terrific. Tesco in Maham Point. Tesco in Ballancolic. Staff always pleasant and helpful. Dunn's in Bishopstown Court. Uh, they're the nicest people working out there and a great shopping centre. Centra on the Grand Parade. Always say, hello, how are you today? Many staff overwork themselves too much and have a bad temper, uh, but not there. Centra on the Grand Parade. Recently went to Elbow Lane. Table service, phenomenal. Waitress, super friendly, chatty and helpful. I work in Dunn stores. We have a very busy but very helpful customer service. We watch out for everyone using the self-scanning tills and always help the elderly. O'Driscoll's in Ballon Lock, where I do my shop. Friendly staff, very helpful. And one or two more, super value in Tower. Centra in Blarney. Tesco and Balancolic, Super Value and Tesco in Yall, the whole of Macroom, fabulous customer care, the nicest place to visit since the bypass. And then another few great experiences, Marks and Spencers and Scoozies. What can I say about Scoozies? I mean, it just wins the top award every time, doesn't it? Um, Super Value and Tower, Super Value and Balancolic, Super Value Cantorc, Duns and Patrick Street, Blackpool, Pennies. Getting a big shout out. Lidl, Aldi, Duns and Ballyvaland. There's reams of these. Reams and reams of them. If I have more time, I'll do some more of those shout outs tomorrow. Promise you I will. Um, Anyway, I want to go back now and do our um, uh, Brinks giveaway. Here's the deal, right? Um, You get on the air, nominate a company. I will give you um, three guesses. Sorry, I'll give you the first three digits to the code. I need the code from you, Kev, when you get a chance. Thank you. Okay. So I'll give you the first three digits to the code. You get three guesses. To guess the fourth digit, if you get it right, I'll give you €300 Euro cash and an opportunity to put that business into the final tomorrow to get a Brinks box fitted in the shop, the business back office. You lodge all your money into it. It's automatically debited to your account, credited to your account, goes into your account. And then when the Brinks box is full, Brinks come along, take all the cash and they bank it for you. It's absolutely fantastic. So if I could just get to our phone lines and give people some guesses. Mary Claire at Tanner's Tires in Newcestown. Morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah. Selling loads of tires, oh. I hope. Oh, Lord, she's um, flat out. Flat out. So here is the <laughs> first... Let me write this down myself, actually, so I don't make a hames of it. Let me write the code down. Your code is 085-something, right? So I'll give you okay. three guesses. I'm giving you 085, and you guess the fourth. Go for it. Uh, we'll go nine. Nine? Yeah. Zero eight five nine? Yeah. There's a first time for everything, lads. Ah, I'm hoping. Would you believe it? The first call this morning was 300 euro <laughs> cash. Huh? Oh my God, but I've been listening every day. And why, I've been not? Calling. why nine? Why <laughs> nine? Because I've checked down the numbers and I've checked off the numbers that have been and there's been like I think it was the day that number four was said and I was like I'm definitely going to pick number four if I get through and then she picked number four and I was like oh, well done great and Oh so like, you know, to call a long story short it's a question of elimination from the other four days Yeah, yeah and oh, just listening because you're great 
thank you. Well, if anybody tells me I'm great, I'm going to give him 300 euro cash all day long. Delighted. <laughs> okay, so 300 euro for you. Are you involved in the business, incidentally? Well, he says that he's lighting me up to take over on the Saturday so he can have a break. But uh, yeah, I'll go out with him now and again when I've got free time. Can you change the tyre, like? Yeah, well, before I met him, no, I couldn't. I couldn't even change the spare wheel. And now he's got me doing tractor tyres and <laughs> lorry tyres and how do you change? Else, so. How do you change a tractor tyre with a little yeah. hand wrench? Oh no, he's got he's got the the van and he's got the compressor and everything else that goes with it. So the big pneumatic jobby. So you're you're well able to change a tractor tire and Arctic tire, are you? Yeah, and a lorry tire. <laughs> <laughs> it's a glam, it's a glamorous job, Mary Claire. Well, I'm not really a glamorous lady, but he's lucky. I don't use the false nails and everything else. You wouldn't want to have fake nails or anything like that going out doing your no, job. You, no, no, you wouldn't. No, no. All right, well, listen, you're, you're 300 euro cash better off. Don't go spending it on tires. Spend it on nails or something. No, no, I get my tires for free, so ah. that's all right. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, what they're putting in the water in Nooses Town, but keep drinking it. Look after yourself. Oh, She's 300 euro so better off. Time. Good luck. <laughs> but we'll it. see what happens tomorrow with regards to Tanner's tires in Nooses Town in the final. We might just have a, a Brinks box to load up all of that cash fifth and final opportunity tomorrow all right, good luck to you good luck good luck good luck last opportunity lads um, to get a text in for today well actually you can text all day long what I'm saying but last opportunity for me to get a call on there just very quickly I can see this novel idea I won't have much time but I just want to give a shout out to Ben Kyohan. Um this is called Snap for School he developed Ben did you develop the app for this we absolutely did we started developing the app in the summer last year and it's well, ready to go live and you're going to is it difficult to develop an app is it all kind of like trial and error and about a hundred grand has been spent in it and I'd say if I went back to try and do it today I could probably build it for 30 or 40 from the mistakes we made uh, 30 or 40 grand as opposed to a hundred grand because you know where you made the mistakes absolutely it's completely trial and error and of course we tweaked and we try, kept trying to improve I mean, I suppose just to give your audience a bit of a background on the app, the whole idea around the app is people can collect stamps in local businesses by scanning a QR code, and then that stamp turns into a donation for their local school. So when parents download the app, what they do is they choose their local school that they're affiliated to or where the kids go to, and every stamp they collect going forward using the app turns into a donation for that school. And that donation from that business is 12 euro, 12 cent, of which 10 cent then goes to the business, to the school, I should say. Absolutely. And Neil, this isn't a figure we came out with out of the top of our head. We, we spoke to about 300 businesses between September and November right across the UK or, or right across Ireland. And uh, I mean, what we were trying to do was come up with something that was equitable to the business. So I suppose, from want of a better word, if we sent a business a thousand customers a month, they'd pay us 124 euros 60. Um, and of course, it's, it's 10 cents as a direct donation. And then we charge a two cent per stamp. I understand, so but let's say a thousand customers. What's that worth to the primary or secondary school? Hundred euros. Wow! And it's, well, so it's look, there's no I grief just, involved in this. You just nominate no, look, your school, I, you download I, I, the app, and you do your shopping. Look, I just got off a call with a the principal there this morning, and the first and this is standard. So we've spoken to two hundred and forty schools since the sixteenth of January this year. And um, we've got about 50 or 60 confirmed to come on board. And we have, to, you know, it's a slow process trying to get through to our principal. They're very busy. And we need to speak, speak to the principal to get approval. Uh, so it's five or six calls each time to try and get through. What we, you know, as an example this morning, and it's the standard two questions they have. Is it going to cost them any money? I'm saying no, it can only bring money in. 
and it's passive. You're not. You can go to your parents and say you can donate to the yeah, school they be, without actually putting your hands in your pocket. They'd be looking for a catch of which there's none. I, well, look, there's no cost. And then the second one, which is equally important, how much work is involved. And we're saying absolutely nothing. All you've got to do is send an email to the parents once, advising them that you've joined Snapper Schools and we do the rest. And Man, you've, got a, you've got to load up the businesses who will come on board, though, surely. Look, yeah, I mean, what we're aiming to do is get four merchants per, per school and how we rolled it out is, you know, naturally, we will go to the businesses near the school first. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean those business owners are associated with the school. They could be living 100 miles away. Uh, but yeah, so look, recruiting the merchants is a big cost and big time. But so far, I mean, we're, for every 100 merchants we contact, we're closing 30. That's brilliant. And we know the other yeah. 70, the, we know the other 70 will eventually come on board. And it's a horrible thing to say on the radio and everything, but they'll see other businesses using it. And because we're only taking 10 cents, yeah. we're not looking for a euro. We're not, you well, know, I think it would be no. great if businesses realised that that 10 cents that they're giving is going to local schools in their community whose families shop in their businesses. Did you talk to the CBA? We're, we're speaking to everybody. We, we haven't got near the CBA. We were talking directly to business owners. What we found is a lot of business owners would prefer to make the decision themselves. I know. Um, no, but I'm just saying they could open doors for the Cork business. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, and I wish I had more time, but if people want to get involved, whether it's a business or indeed a school, how can they get in touch with Snap for Schools? Just go directly onto the website, snapforschools.ie. Fantastic. And this was developed in Cork down Little Island Way, your own company. Look, yeah, we're, look we're, we're a Cork company. We're a small team of four. Um, we're very excited about it. We're going to be going live to the public in April. And I suppose, Neil, what we might do since we're on the other time, we might come back to you in a couple of weeks. Oh, listen, please do. Stories. I think it's a great idea because the local schools could certainly do with the money. Come back when you're a little further down the road. All right, Ben? Cheers for now. Take thanks, care. Thanks okay. Snap today. for schools, as in the number four. Snap for schools. Lines will stay open. Text 0861041106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.